Wizard Harry. Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we're going to be talking about the boy who lived... Harry Potter! Harry Potter! Huh. The chosen <laughs> one, my fave, Harry. Yeah. Harry. <laughs> I can't not say it without the accent. It's just like ingrained. I know. The accent lives deep in you, girl. We know. That's gross. Sorry. Anyways, (laughs) so moving on. Elizabeth, tell us about our corrections. Hey, we have none for this episode. Not because we didn't mess up, but because as of (laughs) right now, our Ron episode was just released yesterday. So people just let us know. If we made any mistakes in the Ron episode or in the Hermione episode or in our teaser, they're point them out to us. I'm yeah. sure they're there. <laughs> yes, definitely sure. Oh my god, is that an owl? Yeah. <laughs> Owls! <laughs> Alright, so this is a new, not new segment, but we just gave it a name. Um, so our fan questions we are calling Alpos because, you know, the owls bring our mail. What? Wow, we're so sweet. Who's our question today? All right, so our question is actually from my husband, and I promise we didn't just pick it because he's my husband. It's not nepotism. nepotism. It's a good question. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Raul. So Raul's question is, how big of a role do you feel destiny or fate played a part in Harry's journey? I guess I'll start. I think that the only part of his journey that fate really played like a huge role in was Voldemort picking Harry instead of Neville. Agreed. Because of the prophecy. Everything else, I feel like he manifested himself or was manipulated into doing by Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. agree. Yeah. I think even though it might not, it played a big role because Voldemort choosing him is a big yeah. moment, yeah. but I don't yeah. think it played for his entire life. Yeah. I don't think it was like throughout the seven books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Rob. And then, damn Dumbledore. <laughs> damn Dumbledore. Hashtag damn Dumbledore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Albus Dumbledore. And Me too, but it's mostly hate. Now that we're talking about Harry, it's going to come up a lot because he's such a big person in Harry's life. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, there is a working title for the Albus Dumbledore episode. I'm calling it Fifty Shades of Albus Dumbledore. Let <laughs> me know if you like it. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark copyright. <laughs> All right, so the disclaimer for this episode, um, I just wanted to, like, let you guys know, kind of give a warning that you we're going to be talking about the Harry Potter. It is called the Harry Potter series. <laughs> the Harry Potter. <laughs> the Harry James Potter. <laughs> that's his middle name, right? Yes. yes. I just want to make sure that doesn't have to go on the correction staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got it right. All right. Yeah, so... There is no physical, feasible way for us to cover all of Harry, all of his traits, all of his flaws in one episode. One, because we're human, we're going to forget a lot of stuff. And two, this episode would be like six hours long, at least. (laughs) No one wants to... I know we've got fans and you love us and thank you so much, but no one wants to listen to us speak for six hours. Except for us. Except for us, maybe. No, not (laughs) even even then. Just bear with us. If we miss things, if there's something that you want us to talk about, hit us up on social media. Yeah. Yeah. On the ground. Comment. Reply to tweets. Yes. And we will definitely make sure to bring it up in other episodes. I mean, we're always going to be constantly talking about Harry in relation to other characters when we talk about the plot. 
Mm-hmm. The Harry Potter series. It's the Harry Potter series. This guy is just everywhere. Duh. It's too much. It's everywhere. <laughs> Saturated with Harry Potter. It's okay. I like it. You know what? Yeah, you do like it. And speaking of, Elizabeth made us what? a promise in the Ronald Weasley episode. No. And I'm not going to let it slip on by. She said she put a pin in it and we're unpinning it. Okay? You said that your crush, your childhood crush was Harry Potter. You said you glazed over it. We would talk about it in the next episode. It's we want to know. And we want hashtag facts. I mean, okay, if we have any listeners that can relate to me, please let me know. Like, because it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Harry was like, okay, the first real character that I always spent time, you know, reading and getting to know. He was like my first real friend, I think. Like, and it's really sad. But, oh, this is weirdly romantic. <laughs> But it's, it, yes, I did have a huge crush on Harry growing up, and I guess that never left because my husband looks like Harry Potter, so. <laughs> hey, Raul. Thank you for, for giving us that sweet, sweet piece of your history. Yeah. Love you. All right, so before we start the episode, we're going to dip into a little bit of the Pottermore skills that are listed for Harry, because we did it for Hermione, and we did it for Baytown, Ron Weasley. So, you want to tell us what his skills are? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. On Pottermore, they list Harry's skills as, the first one they list is Parseltongue. I'm fuming. Continue. Okay. Why the heck is Parseltongue a skill? It it's is not. It's not. It's not a skill. He, it's not something he learned. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, a skill that he acquired. It's literally something he only has because he's a horcrux. And it didn't it leave? It did. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even have it anymore. So exactly. So why is that a skill? Really, if you were going to even call it a skill, it's technically not even his skill. Yeah. yeah. Both points. <laughs> Whatever, Pottermore. You're going to be getting tons of letters from us. <laughs> we have a lot of issues. Like, we need to talk to some of the writers on Pottermore. <laughs> All right. What else does he have? All right. So, Defense Against the Dark Arts. Like, hey. yes, definitely. Typical. You know, obvious, obvious, and being a seeker. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, first time on a broom, did a fifty foot dive. So. Yeah, thank you, Draco. Thanks. <laughs> but I mean, overall, I feel like Pottermore just like did everyone dirty when it came to their skills. <laughs> besides Hermione, because mm-hmm. why does everyone only have like two or three skills? I feel like all of these characters have have more. Listen, that's why I'm fuming because they gave Ron two skills. They gave Harry three, and one of them isn't even a skill. Exactly. We need a little bit more thorough information and analysis. I know you can't hear it. Oh, their strengths. I'm rolling. (laughs) So, to get this episode started, uh, just because there's so much information when it comes to Harry Potter, we kind of... (laughs) What? Who's Harry Potter? Uh, We have this kind of structure, which is called the hero's journey. So, for anyone who's taken any class when it comes to literature, English, or even play analysis, which is kind of where I learned this from, um, the concept of the hero's journey is a prime example when it comes to the Harry Potter series. So you'll notice that every hero goes through at least five different stages of a hero's journey. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 13, you know, depending whose theory and how um, specific you want to get. But we're going to use this concept to kind of explain um, our thoughts when it comes to Harry Potter. So going into Philosopher's Stone, our first stage we have of the hero's journey is the mundane world, which is when the hero begins in a place he has no desire to be. 
Yeah, so basically we are introducing his version of the Muggle world by living with the Dursleys. So it's really cool because I feel like you're literally ushered into the Wizarding world with Harry instead of just reading about someone's experience. Yeah. It kind of makes it a lot more relatable to identify with Harry by going through it with them because we're obviously part of the Muggle world. I think that's actually one of the main reasons why the series became so successful because normally when you read a fantasy book or a fantasy series, you you just start in that world. Like you're yeah. just mm-hmm. thrust in it and you're kind of like, playing catch-up almost, where yeah. the, the writer has to do a lot of, like, expository because the characters have already lived in this world, so they're kind of doing the explanation for you and only just for you. Yeah. But Joe wrote it, wrote it perfectly, so that way she was doing the explaining not only for us, but for Harry, so mm-hmm. it made us more invested in the storyline in general, so. And, and even more invested and related to Harry, because yeah. we both experienced it together. Yeah. It was great. So, Life at the Dursleys... <sighs> the mundane world. What a perfect word! Like a perfect word for living at the Dursleys. <laughs> it was perfectly ordinary. Yes. Thank you very much. But I think it was honestly borderline abusive for at least Harry. Like, yes, the Dursleys were considered ordinary, but I mean, I personally consider like Harry's upbringing with the Dursleys like borderline child abuse, if not child abuse. I consider mm-hmm. it child abuse. I Maybe not physical, like they didn't hit him. Emotional. Or whatever, but it was emotional. They used to kind of starve him. There mm-hmm. was a bunch of examples where I was like, that's a super toxic place to be. Mm-hmm. How he grew up with any, like, no psychological issues, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe, like. Or maybe that's why he wants to die all the time. <laughs> oh, maybe he did have psychological issues. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that's why he was always, like, wanting to, like, get rid of, like, family and friends all the time. Because, like, he just didn't know how to appropriately act in a relationship with people who actually showed love. Mind-boggling. Because... Yeah, because he never received it. Do you know what it is to go ten birthdays and, like, you got a sock? Like... I wonder if you got, like, one sock one birthday and then you got the pair of the sock the next birthday. I think that's too nice. (laughs) I definitely it's not funny. It's not funny. Oh, no. I think we're laughing because of, like, pain. Yes. Because of pain. Nervous laughter. It's how I handle It's just insane. So, speaking of Harry's upbringing at the Dursleys, I think, like, it's super cool um, to bring in, like, the nature versus nurture debate, especially mm-hmm. in regards to Harry, because... Okay, Harry only spent one year of his life with his parents, so his nature, everyone is saying, like, his parents are very loving, very great people overall. We're not going to talk about James Hogwarts years. Let's just skip over that and talk about the James that apparently everyone loved. And then Lily, who's awesome. Yeah. We're going to skip over it for this episode, but I'm coming back to it. Oh, yes. That's metaphorical. A, <laughs> metaphorical. Thing. I need answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely need answers on that. But anyways, so technically, Harry's... Nature is very loving, very caring. However, the way he was nurtured, I wouldn't even say he was nurtured at all. Yeah. And, you know, some people argue the way that you spend, like, the first six years of your life is how you relate to other people and how you love other people. And that is not the way it is for Harry whatsoever. Like, if he loves people the way the Jerseys taught him to love people, he wouldn't love. Mm-hmm. Which, also, thinking about it, it's kind of cool that he was able to love people and stuff like that. Because on top of not being nurtured, he also had a piece of Voldemort, like, living inside of him. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy town. And the fact that he was able to love so fiercely from the very beginning. So, that's that's really interesting to me that he was able to, like, 
love at all. And then not only that, but love so fiercely to the point of always wanting to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. for everyone. Do you, gotcha. think, do you think maybe that, I don't know if it falls under nature and nurture at this point, but maybe he learned to do the opposite from the Dursleys? What? That in the sense that oh, like he nurturing. never got, he was never nurtured, he was never loved, <laughs> <laughs> but he still, he he kind of learned to do the opposite of that. Because he was never loved, he always yearned to be loved, and therefore, so that's, that's he how was he, like, yeah. yeah, he was like overcompensating. Maybe, yeah. like he was Wait. like, those people were so awful to me, I would never want to make somebody feel that way. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, okay, so I'm currently listening to, um... The Sorcerer's Stone audiobook. Me too. Yeah. I'm circling back. Again. <laughs> we're, all, uh, we're all, I think, of the Sorcerer's Stone, which is crazy. Oh, we are. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was like yesterday or this morning. Timeline is fuzzy for me. But um, they were. it was Ron and Harry on the train um, together. And, like, they're having, like, the candy. And Harry's like, you know, I never got to eat, like, anything that I wanted growing up. But, like... Mm-hmm. So he literally said, I just want to share it all. I just want to give it all. So I guess, like, what? it is what you're saying, Marianne, that he's just wanting to do, like, mm-hmm. the polar opposite and give everyone everything that he didn't have. Mm-hmm. Wow. Damn, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on. Yeah. We also have um, part of the hero's journey is the call to adventure. So someone or something tells the hero that there is something else out there. So that, yeah, this is our second stage. And it's always, it's... It, Someone or something, and in this particular uh, instance, for us, it's Hagrid. Hagrid is that number one thing that just completely changes Harry's life. You know, You're a wizard, Harry. I was gonna try and do the Hagrid voice, <laughs> but I knew I couldn't. No, <laughs> I'm a what? <laughs> I'm just Harry. What? So I think something that's really cool about Hagrid is that you know, at the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, he brings in Harry as a baby to prove it. Drive yeah. in his arms, and it kind of foreshadows what happens at Deathly Hallows when you know Harry's presumed dead, and ha- Hagrid is bringing him back into Hogwarts. I never even thought of that. Until really? You said it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. It's designed as like a like bookends. Yeah. yeah. Joe does that a lot, man. Mm-hmm. And she does it beautifully. It's just so amazing. And like the imagery of like baby, ha- like baby, baby Hagrid, baby <laughs> Harry, yeah, and then adult Harry, like all in Hagrid's arms. Yeah. yeah. And everything that's going on in Hagrid's mind, imagine that. I feel like he doesn't get that much credit for being a part of like Harry's chosen family. Mm-hmm. He's to me, he's kind of like the quirky uncle. Um, yeah. You know that he brings hope for an eleven-year-old child. Um, so yeah, he just brings him a happy time and Harry's always like, trusts Harry, Hagrid and goes to Hagrid multiple times yeah. throughout the book. So yeah, thanks Hagrid. Thanks. thanks Hagrid. So the next piece of the hero's journey that we have is crossing the threshold. So the hero crosses into the new world, leaving the old world behind mm-hmm. where we see literally in the books where he's crossing over. Yeah. So it can be metaphorical or it could be physical and yeah. this in this book, it's just kind of both. So we got the physical, which is the Leaky Cauldron entrance into Diagon Alley, you know, poking all the bricks, and then all of a sudden they, like, spread apart, and all of a sudden the alley is <laughs> unveiled. 
seeing a magical place for the very first time. And then we've also kind of got crossing the platform nine and three quarters, you know, in order to take Hogwarts Express. And Hogwarts, at the end of the day, ends up being his home, you know. So it's kind of literally taking him into this next step and phase into his life. I'm crying. It's so beautiful. Literally. That's another reason why we always relate to Harry because we're like, damn, we want that experience. Yeah. Yeah. As like an 11 year old, I was like, is this going to happen to me? As an 11 year old, as a 25 year old, this is still going to happen to me at any point. I'm waiting. Hey, every, like, every July, like around this time, I'm like, I'm looking at the skies. (laughs) He's like, is that an L? Is that an L in the daytime? <laughs> is that for me? So something that I think is super cool in this chapter where you're talking about crossing from the Leaky Cauldron entrance into Diagon Alley is that we get some super cool foreshadowing. Thank you, Hagrid. Where they walk into Gringotts to get all of Harry's bank. And he's like, you'd be <laughs> mad to try and rob this place. Well, he does. <laughs> and he does a super cool job of it, too. But I, I always like little bits like that. Where yeah. when you reread the series, you're like, oh, my God. Do you think, like, Joe knew from, like, book one that he was going to do that? That he was going to rob? I think she had an idea of it. She has so many things that are peppered throughout the beginning of the books that come back to be relevant in later books. Like, I think it's in the first book that Harry is getting in trouble. It might be in a a later book. But it's somewhere towards the beginning of the series where um, nearly headless Nick sends Peeves to go mess with something and he happens to mess with the cabinet above Filch's office where Harry is getting like laid out. And I think that's the Chamber theory. of Secrets. It might be, yeah. And then the theory is that that was like the vanishing cabinet that then they push Montague through that then leads to Draco being able to fix that has the sister. So, it's just like a whole thing. So she has, I think, yes, she knew some things. Mm-hmm. But, I think so. okay, I wonder, I've always wondered this and I guess this is like a really quick tangent but I just, I, I I've been dying to talk about this. Mm-hmm. How much of this is Joe actively foreshadowing? Mm-hmm. And how much is she's like, oh, I wrote this in the beginning. That might be cool to bring it back. Oh, Who knows? Yeah. Probably like 50-50. Maybe. To be honest. Yeah. I think. I feel like sometimes, too, we might come up with theories that we've like put together. She might be like, yeah, I totally did that on purpose. But when <laughs> we got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think if, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's part, like she specifically said by the time she finished writing the first book she knew exactly how it was going to end well she had the epilogue written she had the epilogue written Mm -hmm. but i'm saying like the the small details of the ending i'm like i feel like you're just like you know you're like oh look at this convenience that i wrote for myself (laughs) in the first book i'm just gonna bring it back she's like dropping herself breadcrumbs like maybe i'm gonna need this cabinet later i'm just gonna throw this scene in Mm -hmm. i mean that's what she did with the um what what's it called? Like the the core forty, yeah, or something like that. Oh yeah, she made forty characters in yes, Harry's yes. year, and like literally half of them we don't even see or mention or know yeah. about. Yeah, but they she all, literally some of them had really weird names. Yeah, it's not bottom one. But she literally wrote it as a just in case, so that mm-hmm. way she had material for later. So I feel like she has a lot of that, and I think this that's lady, why it just makes me realize that I'm so unorganized. I could never write a functional series of books. <laughs> No, I mean, you can write yeah. a series of books, but, like, she I mean, has, she stuff, has, I guess. She, no, it's just, she has a whole world. world. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's, true. Like, it's something really different. It's past the series of books, and that's why we still get material to this day, because she's just like, this is all sitting here, like, yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So next we have the Path of Trials, which is when the hero goes on an adventure. And so this particular uh, step could be debated that it either lasts all seven books or we just kind of sum it up in one. In my personal opinion, and I think the two of you feel the same, yeah. mm -hmm. it just happens throughout all seven books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so part of this is meeting new people. And we meet Hermione and Ron. Of course. So these are like the two obvious ones. His confidants, his closest friends. Some of the first people that Harry meets in this world. And it, funnily enough, it's just two people that he completely bonds with. Yeah. Um, and the way he bonds with is like we get to see that's like two different ways, you know. Yeah. So we see the normal circumstances of bonding as an 11-year-old. You know, the normal 11-year-old feelings, starting a new school, making new friends. Food. You know, food. They're growing out. <laughs> yeah. Bullies, <laughs> stuff like that. So they get to bond over that. But then they also, the like fantastical part, I guess, but not really fantastical part, is bonding over trauma, um, which might sound a little dark, but in yeah, reality, I mean, that's where they, what they went through. She said the fantastic part is that they bonded over their shared trauma. Yeah. Well, it's not fantastic. Fantastical. <laughs> Either way. Um, so I don't know if any anyone out there, not just Elizabeth and Jenny who are in the room with me right now, uh, can relate and feel the same way, but I know specifically for me... Um, seeing these two particular friendships really resonated with me as a kid and kind of were just like my expectation level for all my friends. Yep. So specific. Oh my God. Are you saying that me and Elizabeth yes. reached these expectations? Absolutely. Well, we are Hermione and Ron. <laughs> yes. And I am the Harry of the group. It just kind of <laughs> makes sense. Um, but specifically the reason why I'm like the Harry of the group and I can relate to Harry is just we specifically have similar losses like I lost my dad before I was ever born and then I'm an only child so out of that circumstance so I don't really have a lot of siblings my immediate family is just really me and my mom and then I grew I grew up with like you know Cuban cousins which is pretty much just like my godparents god cousins and stuff like that so that kind of gave me a little bit of a big family aspect but really it was just me growing up by myself for like all of my childhood and I had to like really just take care of myself at some point yeah. or like entertain myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever, whatever the outlet was, my chosen family were my friends. They were like the siblings I never had. And I say this yeah. all the time, especially like my closest friends, like these two girls in the room. Oh, and then like, stop it. We're not crying. Again. We're not crying. We're not crying. I not will take you out of anything. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just like set the expectation level for me. And I think it's not just for me because we have similar, me and Harry have similar similarities, I guess. I think anybody <laughs> could relate and want that same friendship when yeah. reading these books, these Friendships are just out of this world and genuine and once in a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. Um, love I, you, Marianne. Stop yeah, it. Love you. Stop it. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the probably the next biggest person that we that Harry meets <clears throat> is <laughs> the one and only Albus Dumbledore. No, I have to say his full name. Bro, bro, seriously, we're gonna be here all day. You know, you know the full name by Albus heart. Percival Wilfred Brian Dumbledore. Yeah, I always get the order mixed up. Oh no, no. You know when you're on Facebook and it's like only seventeen percent of Harry Potter fans can answer this. That question is always on there, and I always get it right. Oh my god, Ravenclaw life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Albus Dumbledore really plays a role as like Harry's mentor. Harry's basically father figure throughout the books and I don't think 
Albus ever planned on being a father figure. Yeah. Uh, considering he was manipulating him from day one. <laughs> we, have but, some, we have some biases here on the three room chicks. <laughs> it's fine. You know, we're, we're... Is it? Is it fine? What? Is it fine? We're going to go very, very in-depth <laughs> during our Albus Dumbledore episode. But anyway, so as his mentor, it's like it's very similar to like looking up to your favorite teacher. Yeah. You're always looking at them for guidance, learning from them, believing everything they say, believing that they always know what they're going to do, you know. And it's so strange to me because like looking at Marianne now and seeing her as a teacher, like, <laughs> I, like Marianne's human. Like I've seen Marianne grow mm-hmm. up, like she's my best friend. And to think that there are kids out there that look up to Marianne in the same way that I used to, to like my old drama teacher and like all of my old teachers in general, mm-hmm. like that's so crazy to me because like, you know, when you're a kid, you look at like some of your favorite teachers and hold them at such as this high pedestal. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, whoa, they were human. Yeah. They have flaws. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm yeah. you have, like, you do. But I do. Yeah. But I do. <laughs> but I do. I say it with love. It's true. No, we're, teachers aren't perfect. And as yes. a kid, you're never going to stop. As a no, kid, I'm you're saying that because I was a teacher once. And I'm yes. like, oh my God, is this what my kindergarten teacher was yeah. doing when I was in there? Yeah, like, whoa. <laughs> as a kid, what? you're never going to understand that when you're young. So, but when, obviously, when you start growing up and you start having friends or family members or whoever, people you know that become teachers, it kind of just starts hitting you. You're like, wait a second. Like, they didn't, you know, fall asleep at school and only live at school and only, you know, cater to my grades <laughs> and, you know, We're love me. They have lives. <laughs> they have lives. <laughs> and they have, like, mis- they make mistakes and stuff. But, you know, it's true. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so, two other people that we also meet during the first year, I guess, or... Well, yeah, I guess yeah. it's technically yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so one of them is Draco Malfoy. Ew. Literally the first person I did Did you just meets. say ill? We're going to fight okay. right here, right now. No, no, <laughs> not. It wasn't an overall ill to Draco. It was an overall ill to, to year one Draco. To year one Draco, especially in yeah. Madame Malkin's <laughs> robes. Like, yeah. Whoa. Okay, so we're going to put a pin in this for this episode. And when we come back, I think it's the half blood print. I'm going to take the pin out. Nobody let me forget. Yes, Draco Malfoy. Don't forget out there. So anyways, we meet him, and we also meet Voldemort. Obviously. which is So it's kind of like two kinds of evil, two kinds of enemies. So you have Mm -hmm. Draco Malfoy, who is a misguided boy, just has some issues, maybe misunderstood. He's like the normal, like, real bully. Yeah, he's a bully. Very nice hair. (laughs) (laughs) He's a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. Played by Tom Felton, who I know will one day reach out to me. Because he has an undying love. But anyways, <laughs> he meets Draco Malfoy, who's like the worst. So you have kind of like your little schoolyard bully situation. And then we have Voldemort. Yeah, it was like Voldemort. the evilest wizard ever. <laughs> <laughs> but those are like the two kinds of enemies that we were first introduced to, as well as maybe another enemy? Considering, like, it, I guess it depends who you're talking to, but we've got Snape, so... Yeah. For, at least first book, he's an enemy. For first book, he's yeah. considered as an enemy. I, me personally, uh, I believe he's 
perfect definition of an anti-hero. Um, if you don't know what an anti-hero yeah, is, I don't know the definition. I don't know the definition on top of my head. Oh, uh, it's anytime uh, that anyone says anti-hero, I just think of Deadpool. For That's the, the only thing I know. <laughs> but I mean, it's a very That's similar a good reference. Yeah, it's a good reference. It's basically a hero that mm, it maybe is like kind of an underdog. It might not do it for this exact perfect reasons. reasons. Yeah. That. Um, and has like probably more flaws than you would consider a traditional hero. Exactly. Oh, sounding like snakes. Sounds exactly. Like snakes. Look at the definition if you really want the perfect definition maybe, of what an antihero is. But maybe send us the definition, please. <laughs> I looked it up before this, so I know for sure from facts Snake is an antihero. Um, but he is the opposite of what Harry finds in Dumbledore, right? So we've got yeah. Dumbledore, which is Harry's, you know, favorite teacher, or even though he's not really necessarily a teacher anymore, but mm-hmm. he still comes to him as a confidant. Uh, we've got Snape, who is, like, day one, his adult that he hates the most. And it's really funny because for me, this is kind of like a real world parallel. Um, I like to think at least that uh, my drama kids can come up to me and talk to me about anything. And for the most part, they do. And I will always have that instance. Well, one kid will come up to me and say, oh my God, I had such an awful day in class because so-and-so said this and I said this back and they're the worst teacher ever. And, you know, going back to the whole thing that Teachers are human, too. We're not all perfect. Yeah. I know, I personally know the teachers because they are my colleagues. You know, I don't even, I might not see them every day, but, you know, I work with them during teacher work days and retreats and stuff like that. So I know who they are and I know what their intentions are. And that's kind of the similar situation with Snape and Dumbledore. You know, Snape and Dumbledore for the longest time were working together. Snape was doing kind of Dumbledore's, like, manipulative bidding. Um... But, Whatever. He was but, rude. But still, Harry didn't Very rude. didn't see that because he's a child. He is only really going off of his feelings yeah. and his own interactions. Um, he it doesn't un- has to do with my pin with Jacob. Yeah, which we'll get to. Um, but he doesn't really understand what these what they might be going through as well yeah. as adults. I mean, for me personally, and I think this is a reason why I defend Snape half the time, mm-hmm. is that being a teacher is already hard enough. Imagine if you are a Hogwarts teacher where these kids don't go home at the end of the day. <laughs> you have to deal with them for like eight months, a long period of time. If maybe the entirety, if they'd have gone for the holidays, stuff like that. So who knows what could have happened. But yeah, that's kind of those like two parallels. Uh, the Snape and Dumbledore in Harry's life. Can Whatever. I, Still like them. Can I just say like really quickly, yeah. I find it so insane how Harry meets Snape once. Not even meets him. Sees him across the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gets like that small association with him that like, <laughs> oh, my scar hurts. Yeah. He's looking at me funny. And then all of a sudden, for the remainder of Sorcerer's Stone, he's he's the bad guy. Yeah. He completely ignores that he's a Hogwarts teacher, yeah. that he's respected. He's Bye, just like, that's it. Snape, you're evil. You're the one he's who's the about one. to yeah. destroy the world. I mean, was he wrong? <laughs> yes. But five don't lie, okay? Snape didn't like him. That's true. Snape really didn't like him. But for like, other reasons, which we can talk about at a later time. Whatever. They're super toxic, and I hate him. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, maybe not hate. Let's relax, but... <laughs> I like how you're telling yourself to relax. <laughs> I'm telling myself to relax. Let's let's chill out, Jenny. For anyone who's <laughs> listening to this, just get ready for our Snape episode. It's going to be a heated I, argument. I almost want people to change my mind. Yeah, I'm go- I'm going to change your mind. Get ready. <laughs> oh, okay. Get ready. <laughs> get ready. Bet. Anyways, so another slice of the hero's journey is learning new skills. So... 
Elizabeth is really excited about the one skill that we learned here. Um, hello, the biggest skill. <laughs> Magic! <laughs> like, in general. Duh. All the, like, everything. Like, this... <laughs> This book from the very beginning, like, hello, we just get introduced to, like, magic. Magic changes everything. I know. Mm -hmm. If somebody were to hand me a wand, I bet I could do spells already. Oh, I know. I, I can. Well, I guess you're Ravenclaw, so I could see it. No, I can. I know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Hermione and me. Okay, oh, my goodness. Okay, so anyway, other <laughs> anyway. skills we learn. Flying, the obvious one. Not only is this just... Modesty? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> flying well, my like 11 year old Hermione came out yeah for real like hardcore <laughs> um, sorry guys so flying is an important introduction uh, not only to Harry's Quidditch endeavors you know Quidditch becomes a huge part of Harry's life but f without f his flying skills you know would he ever be able to get to the Philosopher's Stone no he, no he needs that he needs that flying skills for that particular challenge um, so that's yeah, one really important skill. He Hermione and Ron definitely did not have that skill at this mm -hmm. point in their lives. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Sorry, Ron, but your skill comes in later in life. <laughs> so another slice of the hero's journey is overcoming challenges. Mm -hmm. So very literally, we see in the first book, the, the challenges. The seven overcome. challenges to reach the stone. Yes. What are the seven challenges? Go. Do we have uh, to name them in order, or can we just do them from memory? Yeah, for sure. Go do it. I'm going to see Fluffy, my Hermione Fluffy, says. Devil's uh, Snare. Quirrell's Quirl, Troll. Yes, which was knocked out, if you want to get real technical. Mm -hmm. You already did it, uh, so. Flying the, Keys. Yes, the potions. Potions, and then the Mirror Bearer said. We're missing one. Wizard's Chest. Oh, oh wow. Town Run, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Wow, Jenny. I know. I just It's an emotional moment for me when he gets knocked down to the floor in his heroic sacrifice. I'm sorry. You just blocked it out of your memory. It's a it hard out. time. I did. I did. But I, I remember it now, and I love him for <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. And then, obviously, he overcomes like his first challenge, his first meet after, obviously, that fateful Halloween night mm -hmm. with Voldemort. Like, yeah. That's so huge. I know he was, like, technically it was a weaker version of Voldemort, but mm -hmm. the fact that, like, already at 11 years old, he had to face the person who killed his family, who changed his life forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's insane. And I want to bring up Harry, even from 11 years old, was already ready, again, to sacrifice himself, not only in honor of his family, but to protect his friends to protect everyone around him. So I'm going to read a quote. Um, it's in chapter 16 through the trap door. Harry is arguing with Ron and Hermione because he's saying that he's the one who has to go down into the, to get the stone. And he's saying, if I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight, and nothing you two can say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? And, like, this right here mm -hmm. is already such a huge foreshadowing to the argument that Harry has throughout the whole books of trying to protect Ron and Hermione. He's like, no, like, 
it has to be me. It has to be only me. Yeah. Wow, it actually does end up having to only be him at the yeah. end. I know, and it's funny because throughout the whole books, I'm like, oh my god, shut up. Let your friends help you. And then it's like, oh man, it really just has to be you. Huh? Yeah. And he literally says in Deathly Hallows, like, I've got, yeah. I actually wrote a quote here. It says, it's got to be like this. It's got to be me. It's straight from Deathly Hallows. Yeah. He's always repeating it. Well, like, in constantly. the Philosopher's Stone, Ron tells him, it's got to be you. Yeah. You have to go on. Yeah. It's like uh, a theme. Wow, What Joe. a smart guy that Ron. You know, and it, you know, it's really sad to me that at 11 years old, Harry's already talking about, yeah, I'm going to face my death. Mm-hmm. And he was already welcoming it with open arms. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Emotionally Same with him on that. <laughs> <laughs> I've also got to say that a huge challenge for him must have been, you know, it must have been tempting, you know, Voldemort talking to his ear of saying, you know, if you give me the, if you can give me the stone, we can finally be together. I can reunite you with your parents. Do you yes. guys remember that moment? Yeah. And being an 11 year old child, never like having that relationship with your parents because they died at, when you were so very young, that must have been so tempting. And to say no to that and be like, no, <laughs> you're lying. Wait, wait, wait. Is How? Is that your 11-year-old yes. Harry voice? No. <laughs> <laughs> this part was so serious <laughs> up until now. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> All but right. We're just... I just got to give that kid kudos because, wow. I hope people listen to our podcast and what they take away is like, why are Marianne and Jenny always yelling, where is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. So, meeting new people in the Chamber of Secrets, we got Ginny Weasley. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, Ginny Weasley, again, we we all know, becomes her. his future mm-hmm. love, his future, like, everything to, to Harry. And it's so interesting to me that... Ginny is the ultimate fangirl goals. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ginny grew up her whole life, you know, crushing on Harry Potter. Like I did with Tom Felton. Exactly. Exactly. And one day, <laughs> I'll just go down to the Chamber of Secrets and who's that? <laughs> Tom, Tom Felton. Tom Felton 22. <laughs> <laughs> but like, literally, like. Any of our fans, and I know us, we all had a huge crush on some type of celebrity while we were growing up. We all dreamt about marrying them, and Ginny actually did. She's a success story. Wow. wow. Goals, goals. Like, it's I don't so know sad. of any, I'm sure there are other, like, celebrity fan success stories out there. Sure. But yeah. the fact that there's one cemented in literature. I mean, look at Matt Davis and that girl from Orlando. Exactly. Matt Davis plays Neville Longbottom. There was a lady from Orlando who just happened to work at the parks. And he was like, dude, I love you. Let's get married. And then they got married. Yay. One day, I'm going to be at that park. (laughs) (laughs) During, like, some other ride opening. Yeah. I'm I'm going to stop Felton Felton and make sure I'm there at the same time. That's how I got the closest to Tom Felton was at the Wizarding World Experience. Don't talk to me about that. Don't make me hate you. It was actually so funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love funny people. <laughs> I'm really mad that I couldn't like funny physically meet them. <laughs> Anyways, so other than Jenny, we also meet Dobby, who I kind of hated at the beginning of the series. Yeah, he was rude AF. But I, I guess, yeah. I mean, his intentions were in the right place, but his delivery mm. <laughs> needed a little work. But I think it's really sad that Dobby steals all of Harry's letters. Yeah. Because, okay, so think about it. Your life is tragic. 
And then you go to this awesome, amazing school. You're famous. You make friends. Some people like you. And then you have to go home. And you're isolated from everyone. And you're back in the muggle world. Where everyone hates use, you. Yeah, and everyone hates you, right? And you're isolated from everybody. And contrary to what the movies believe, you cannot use magic at home. So mm -hmm. you're literally cut off. And then your friends are trying to write to you, but this little thing is taking your letters. <laughs> this little thing. I say it because he doesn't know what Dobby is yeah. Yeah, at first. We obviously know that he's a house elf, but I just think it's so sad. I would have cried. I really would. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This is also where we start seeing the beginnings of, like, Sassy Harry. He's, like, at the end. It's really not a good time to have a house up in my bedroom. Yeah. Right now. And at the end, he's, like, oh, by the way, Dobby, never try saving my life again. <laughs> anyone who's related to Sirius Black in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real, that's a real thing. <laughs> All right. So we also uh, get to see Harry learning new skills. So even though this one's technically, as we discussed, not really considered a skill because he never learned it, but he does have parcel tongue. And it does come in really handy when he hears the basilisk. And then it also comes in handy when it comes to figuring out a connection between Harry and Voldemort because it is something that Voldemort, it was Voldemort's skill. Can I also just interject really quickly? Again, I'm going to pimp out the books. <laughs> you need to listen to Jim Dale doing the voice for the Basilisk. It oh, really? nightmares. Oh, really? If I was a 12-year-old boy or a 12-year-old girl hearing those things, like crawling through the wall or slithering through the wall, I would have pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so bad. I'll play for you guys later. It's horrible. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. We, Especially because it's just saying things like kill repeatedly. Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ooh. Can you imagine? And like, then no one else can hear it. <laughs> wow. Like, how how isolating is this time period in Harry's life? Like This kid cannot catch a break. He can't. <laughs> All of a sudden he's hearing voices. Like, and Hermione is like, yeah, that's not normal, even for a wizard. Ron, Ron says that. Ron, that's right. They, but they in the did injustice. Hashtag the injustice. injustice. <laughs> Anyways. So their uh, next very important skill, I mean, I'm sure there's <laughs> skills that we're missing, but those skills that we're talking about specifically are just the most important. And this one is his signature move, the disarming charm, Expelliarmus. <laughs> so Remus Lupin, he's the one that specifically kind of calls Harry out and says it him. is his signature move. Um, and we understand it because, <gasps> well, we understand well, it I'm because. Sorry, I just, I just had like a moment. Snape is the one that uses Expelliarmus for the first time. Yes. What? Yeah. And that's how we get introduced to Expelliarmus. And I know because Raul loves to quote this from the movie, the Expelliarmus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. When Raul comes on as a guest, he needs to do the voice. It's it's let's, amazing. Let's just call him up here right now. <laughs> Snape is a really important like influence when it comes to Harry's life. And like I there's you're there's a reason why shush, there's a reason why he's like the middle name of his youngest son. Oh god. 
But, like, I, I can't believe it took me until now to realize that Harry's signature move, like, his spell mm-hmm. originated from him bursting it from Snape. Like, and it ends up becoming his signature move. That's what great. That's what's great about the series. It's like, here we are, all these years later, we're just... We're having these, Understanding. like, wow. brilliant aha moments. <gasps> and I'm sorry I cut you off, but it was just, like, it, it overpowered me. I'm so, like... <laughs> are you, like... Are you, like, sweating? I think she's, like, like super sweating. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, man. All right. So she's going to freak out in the corner over there. Emotions. Yes. Okay. Because um, so anyway, this... Besides, I'm, I'm sure that influenced him, but this very specific reason why this is, like, his signature move is because Harry says it blatantly. He Blasting out people is Voldemort's job. He doesn't want to be Voldemort. He doesn't want to kill. Yeah. Um, even though, in a way, he knows that he if it has to come to it, he knows that is his job. Um, what a nice guy. Yeah. But because it's his signature move, it kind of outs him in the Deathly Hallows in the Battle of the Seven Potters. As soon as they see oh, yeah. as soon as they see him use Expelliarmus, they're like, all right, so we know this is the real Harry. Well, there's a couple things. I mean, like Hedwig was with him. He knew who Stan Shunpike was. Yeah, but that, that was part of it. That was thing. it. Yeah. That was the like that's the end straw. Ugh. Yeah. What integrity. Anyways. So <laughs> overcoming challenges. Um, so I guess we have a couple to deal with in the Chamber of Secrets. Just a few. Just a smidgen. Just a tiny little list here we got going. But I guess I count one of them as having to deal with Hermione being petrified because it's one of his best friends. And it's kind of like you're feeling lost. You don't know what happened to her. You don't know what did it. And so I think it was a really big driving force for him to conquer, like, the basilisk going down into the chamber. Not that he didn't care about the other people, but, I mean, it's different when it's your yeah. best friend. So, yeah, so definitely figuring out the Chamber of Secrets is an issue. Fighting back rumors of him being the heir of Slytherin. Always. But, he, well, oh I mean, wh- technically people weren't wrong because the heir of Slytherin was, soul was inside of him. That's true. I mean, I guess. But it's like, He know. wasn't the one that technically opened it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're teeter-tottering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, but technically he did. Oh, there's another moment happening. <laughs> there's another, there's another aha. Uh-huh. Because the other part of Voldemort's soul living in the horcrux of the diary, like, consumed Ginny. Mm-hmm. So it, it, Ginny got overpowered by that part of Voldemort's soul, was able to speak parcel tongue, was mm-hmm. able to open the chamber, and that's the part that's linked to Voldemort and Harry. So it's kind of like, Yeah. Okay. And that's just becomes a huge also fun fundamental trait in Harry and Ginny's relationship. Yeah. So something that we notice, even though Hermione, Ron, and Harry all have shared trauma, it's not the same as Harry and Ginny's shared trauma. I mean, they both literally had Voldemort in their mind at yeah. some point and it's affected their their lives directly. Mm-hmm. You know, Hermione and Ron at this point haven't even seen Voldemort. Um, they only trust, obviously, that with everything going down, that obviously Harry bound him. So this is something really important when it comes to their relationship later on. Because imagine, like, who else could relate in that sense other of than Ginny? Being possessed by a horcrux? Yeah. Love them. <laughs> the ship sails. <laughs> the movies did terrible, but whatever. We're yeah. going to get there. Oh, God. Elizabeth has so many problems with the movies. And I'm just like, I'm really happy that we got content. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle, as I as usual. When we get there, I'm feeling that is my pin. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! I like that we aggressively pin things. We should go with a pin cushion. 
Anyways, <laughs> so I'm really upset about the whole rumors flying around about Harry because he's going to come back and save all these people that are talking some mad stuff about him right now. Mm-hmm. All the time. But whatever. I guess it's life. Also, Joe already introducing a horcrux without telling us that it's a horcrux. Yes. Crazy. This diary is mad crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyways. So now we're moving on to possibly the best book in the series, yeah. maybe a little bit, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Oh, why? Because we're meeting new people. Oh, like who? Sirius Black. <laughs> <laughs> who is he, Jenny? I wrote some expletives <laughs> down describing Sirius Black that I cannot say into this microphone, but I can tell you that he's just as bay as Ron Weasley. He definitely is. He's uh, really bay. This is... <laughs> he's a huge bay town. He's like... He's like Bay City. Bay City. We have Bay Town and we've got like Bay City. Bay State. Wait, wait. So is your love for Sirius greater than Ron's? No, it depends on the day. Okay. But since we just like did the Ron episode and it's kind of fresh, I feel like I'm more into Ron right now, but I don't know now that we're talking about Sirius. The feelings. I see you. You're blushing. I I love Sirius Black. Literally. Literally. So do I. I mean... Mm, Okay. Okay. <laughs> we love him for very different reasons, and I can explain why. I mean, so, the relationship between Harry and Sirius, for maybe some of you who aren't 100% aware, Sirius is Harry's godfather, right? He obviously doesn't know this at, at first, and at first he's just like, oh my god, Sirius betrayed my parents, all that, you know, hullabaloo. But... At- <laughs> But at the end, you know, he realizes that it wasn't necessarily him who betrayed his parents. And he... you okay there, Jenny? With a hullabaloo. My hullabaloo. I'm a shirt that says that. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna have like our logo, and then it's just gonna say hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. Get it right. <laughs> terminology. Marian <laughs> terminology. I'm sorry. Continue. Anyways, um. So, Harry lost his two parents. He's never known them. Um, or even though he obviously experienced with them his first year of life, he doesn't remember them. And the only connection now that he finds is through Sirius Black. Or at least that's his strongest connection as of right now. Yeah. He hears stories about his dad from Sirius Black and all, all the amazing things that Sirius Black kind of like tells him about like, oh, you can live you can live with me, this whole new Aww. life that now he starts kind of to imagine in his mind. Poor Harry, man. Mm-hmm. He had like this beautiful, bright light, like finally an escape from the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Sirius is literally Joe's cat toy. Yeah. It's I obviously never me personally, I obviously never had it as hard as Harry. Harry definitely has it ten times harder, especially with JK kind of just like jingling Sirius Black like a toy to a cat. Yeah. Um, but specifically me, never growing up with my dad, my godfather was the exact same, like I have the exact same relationship with him. Like my godfather um, was my dad's best friend and they were each other's best friends. They, they grew up together. They were not grew up together, but once our, their wives now I guess started dating and it was just like this huge best friendship that kind of came out of it um yeah my godfather didn't know many people um in the country at the time and it just from there they became really close and when my dad passed away it was just like a huge gape not only in my godfather's life in everyone's life and 
now, like growing up uh, as a 25 year old, I look back and especially doing this research, which is just like really triggering in, in some way. Um, I remember growing up and asking like oh did my father do this did my father do that like and hearing it from my god oh my god you look so much like your dad your dad would be so proud and it's kind of like <laughs> like gut-wrenching in a sense because I understand where Harry's coming from and like having you're yearning for anything to know anything about your dad because this is like a stranger to him yeah um and then then he's like taken away from you at the end you never get to like have that life and then taken away later it's on it's so just sad it's so, really so sad, sad. And really if, sad if you think about it too obviously he doesn't have a lot of parental figures because i mean really he yeah. just has the dursleys and then i mean i guess you could argue that maybe some of the staff members yeah. could kind of fit into that role but finally mm-hmm. you have a godfather yeah and so finally you have this parental figure this father figure that you can latch on to and then he's just kind of ripped away from you. Yeah. It makes... Uh, I can't even think about it. It's really upsetting. I could... I, I think about, like, what... It, the day that if I don't have my godfather anymore, it would just be such a sad day. He's such, like, an upbeat, happy yeah. person in my life. Mm-hmm. And just... It'd be heartbreaking. So... Yeah. I can't imagine Harry... What Harry must have gone through. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in general, in Prisoner of... Of Azkaban, we get introduced to all of the marauders, minus James, obviously. So, the next biggest marauder that we meet, which is one of Harry's biggest figures in his life, yeah. is Remus Lupin. Bay mm-hmm. Jr. Another connection to his father, because they were all best friends. Best friends. Yeah. I mean, I love the relationship that Remus and Harry have. Like, I love Remus. Mm-hmm. Remus is so great, and... It's so interesting to me, like, how, in a way, like, Remus and Harry are pretty similar because mm-hmm. they both um, very hate, deep, like, deeply hate a part of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, Remus deeply hates that he's a werewolf and mm-hmm. Harry deeply hates this connection that he has to Voldemort. He doesn't yet know that he he's a horcrux, obviously. Yeah. But he knows that he's connected to Voldemort at this point. In some way. Mm-hmm. And he despises that part of him and he always has. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that's a very similar, like, bond that they share. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, Lupin was able to bring out, like, Harry's strengths when mm-hmm. it came to, to defense against the Dark Guards is because of him mm-hmm. that Harry was able to do Expecto Patronum. Uh. Like, maybe that's, like, the reason why, because th- this is the first time we see a professor actually, like, taking the time outside of class yeah, to yeah. be with Harry and train Harry and whatnot. So that might have been the reason why they, that's, like, the first time, because they had, like, that shared. It's also the first time that we see any Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Remotely have, like, good. A solid <laughs> class. <laughs> care about that class at all. Yeah. You mean he was the only one? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> literally the only. Well, except for Harry, I guess. Yeah, yeah. These poor children, these seven years, they're like education. Bro, if I sent my kid there, there would have been some letters. <laughs> I'd be like, step it up. The education these years severely lacked. Yeah. yeah, and so I guess the last person that we meet out of like the Marauders is Peter Pettigrew. No, no. Gross. I don't care. I don't care if they try to redeem him at the no. end. I no. despise no. him. I He's a sellout, bruh. Especially the it also bothers me because he also grew up with James Potter and Lily Potter. And it's just like uh <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the and fact he, that he hold up. The fact that Peter Pettigrew 
was able to literally look at Harry for two whole years. Oh my God, yes. Look at him sleep in the bed next to him while he's that. sleeping with Ron. And this is actually dawning on me again right now. <laughs> Third aha moment. <laughs> Third aha. I'm having a lot of aha moments right now. Welcome to Ravenclaw, bruh. <laughs> like, do you know, you are staring at the child of your best friend. It is your fault that he is going, oh my god, I cannot wait for us to talk about the Marauders because I'm mm, going to go. either. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, he really did, he really did Harry dirty. Like, not yeah. only just the Potters and everybody, everybody dirty, dirty, but everyone. Dirty Specifically, rat. Harry. He literally is a rat. He's Moving a, on. He's a reason why he doesn't have his parents, so fine, we hate you. So we're learning new skills in this book as well. Obviously, we already touched upon the Patronus, Patronus charm. charm a little bit, but I want to talk about it again because... Expecto Patrono! <laughs> okay. Sorry, so I anyways, to do that part. <laughs> I wanted to talk about it because I think it's really cool that he is able to even produce a Patronus. Not only as a third-year student, which is already rare enough, but this kid has, like, no happy memories to latch onto. Yeah. And then, I don't know, is this, is this like, a movieism? I don't know if it's in the book. But he says, oh, like, I'm thinking about what I think possibly could be a memory of my mother's mm-hmm. laugh. And I just, I don't know if that's a movieism. Or if it's... No, I think, I think or that's... Or they're talking, or, like, her and James are talking, or something like that. I know that he says it in the movie, but yeah. I don't think it's in the book. I think that it, I think that it ends up being his happiest memory. Ugh, so sad. Like, the thought of him yeah. being with his parents. parents. Yeah. Wow. How depressing is that? It's really sad. But it's also a testament to how powerful he is, too, because that's all you have to watch on to is, like, a maybe hypothetical situation, and you're producing a corporeal Patronus. It's a it's a yeah. really big burden. I mean, I only have one parent that I never got to grow up with. Yeah. Imagine two. Imagine two. I can't. I can't. And the fact Plus that... Plus all the other issues. Yeah. yeah. He's going through... It, it's insane to me, and it shows you actually how powerful of a wizard Harry is. Like, yeah. I don't think it's very talked about often, because everyone's just like, oh, you know, he, like... Well, because I think Hermione fills that slot, right? Yeah. So then they don't really pay attention because she's so bright and she's so great. But but Harry's actually he's great too. super mm-hmm. powerful, 13 years old. And Remus is the one, again, who points this out that, like, most adults can't conjure a corporeal Patronus. Like, yeah. that's not feasible for them. And he's using a fake memory, like, not even a real memory. Yeah. Do you think it's that maybe, I don't know, maybe this is the only child, like, <laughs> maybe, like, looking back and I'm like, hmm. Maybe, do you think that because of his life not being loved as a child, he kind of had to create his happiest memories in his mind? I mean, living under the stairs, you kind of have to make the best of your life. Maybe it's just come to easy to him at this point that he has to make the most. He has to make cry, then I guess. Yeah, yeah, he has to make the most out of his life. So maybe it's just one of his like superpowers. That should be a skill. That should be a skill on Pottermore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> creating fake memories and being able to trick your mind of happiness. Oh my god. You know, it the more we talk about Harry, the more I'm like the more sad you get. Yeah. I'm getting pretty <laughs> sad over here. Sad and also like angry that a lot of people what after reading the series get annoyed at Harry as a character and like don't yeah. always like love and appreciate him. I will say that in talking to people, I never hear anybody name Harry as their favorite character. I'm probably like the, the only, only person, person I know. I've never known. Yeah. Well, I think the reason what for that mm-hmm. and this is just like going back to like a, in a play analysis or like 
book analysis term is mm-hmm. just Harry is the straight man in the story. So I don't mean like actual sexual orientation or anything yeah, like that. that? Uh, I mean in the sense that a straight man has to be kind of almost like a blank slate. So even though he might have like personality traits and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he's what the audience sees and, and kind of guides for the story. Okay. So yeah. because we're living through Harry – we might not necessarily find him as his favorite because Harry is essentially us in okay, this story. I see what you're saying. Um, so in, in in the world of a play, when you have a straight man, the audience is always looking to the straight man in order to understand how to react to the story and how to like grab their opinion from the story. So we never really see Harry as an individual character because Harry is us. I see. That's what a straight man is. Honestly, you said straight man, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Where no. is this going? <laughs> yeah, that's why I clarified. I was like, nothing to do with sexual orientation. Just so, to turn. So rounding out the skills that we're learning in this book, he also learns how to defend himself from a bogart. Um, and he learns the charm. Is it a charm? Ridiculous? Ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also think it's cool that we see that because everybody anticipates his bogart becoming Voldemort, and it becomes a Dementor. Yeah. His biggest fear is fear itself. Deep, like that child of thirteen, thirteen years old. I, 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 I like. I'm loving Harry more and more. <laughs> Yay! If, if, yeah. if you if, seriously, if you pause and really like analyze Harry, like, how could you hate him? I don't Dude, know. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you can hate him like when you think about freaking order the phoenix yeah but we're not all perfect i wasn't perfect at 15 years old yeah, I, know. I, 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 would, about Tassie Harry. I do not love i would i do not did not love everything about my 15 year old life <laughs> there are words in that book that annoy me so reasons and we'll get there yeah, yeah. so uh lastly we're overcoming challenges as well in this book so at this point i feel like challenges are like staying out of trouble I'm like being a normal thirteen year old. That's a challenge. Like, that's a challenge for Harry at this point. I feel. If we're trying, maybe I guess, but well, we're yeah. definitely not succeeding. Voldemort's not even in this story, <laughs> and he still gets into trouble. I guess it's just his thing. That's just his thing. People it's... just, you know, how like people thrive on like drama. Maybe Harry just thrives <laughs> on, like, overcoming stuff. I don't know. I I mean, I, it was just. It was just a situation he was in. I don't think, like... I think, yeah, it was thrusted upon him. It was him. a thrust upon him. <laughs> like, it, it's kind of sad. And you know what's even sadder is that he continues to attempt a normal life until Deathly Hallows. He's really trying. He's, he's like, really trying. He's like, okay, fourth year, like, maybe we're going to be all right. Psych. <laughs> Fifth year, okay, things looking bad, but, you know, Psych. maybe a relationship. <laughs> no. Psych. <laughs> Six year, uh, I guess. We got a whole new textbook. That's pretty normal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the Goblet of Fire. Ooh, all right. We're so, meeting new people. Meeting new people. All right, meeting new people. We meet Mad Eye Moody, the real Mad Eye Moody, and also the fake Mad Eye Moody, Barty Crouch Jr. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Bar- <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting to me. The way, like, Joe chose to do this is, like, this becomes Harry's new big mentor after losing Lupin. You know, after Lupin, like, leaves. Leaves. Yeah. You know, Mad-Eye Moody comes in. He's a good Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. That's true. See, yeah, we had another one, kind of. It's not actually him, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a problem. Constant vigilance. Constant vigilance! (laughs) Anyways. So, like, it's so interesting to me that, like, she she chooses... 
this fake Mad-Eye Moody to be his new mentor and Harry trusts him so fully and then this is the person that is working against him working against him and literally one of the main causes of bringing Voldemort back into his life he should have had constant vigilance wow maybe it would have helped that would have helped for sure honestly I think at this point none of that would have helped (laughs) So then we're moving on to the Triwizard Champions. Obviously, they were a really big part of the story. The biggest one, or at least the one that influences Harry the most, is Cedric Diggory. Baylight. Yeah. Which we... (laughs) Baylight. Oh, my God. This is how I categorize them. Like, the spectrum of Bay. I just have a really long, like, file cabinet of all the Bays. I can't. I did. Okay, so Bay Light. Uh, we don't technically, we probably didn't meet him in this. We meet him as an audience in this book, yeah. but Harry probably knew of him way ahead yeah. of time. I mean, he's there. He's smart. He's good looking. Exactly. He knows of him. Uh, but for me, I think the big, the craziest thing is how to Voldemort, he was the spare. But even, uh, but in the Triwizard Championship, he Le- was the spare. Harry was the spare. Oh, Harry. Harry was the spare because I, the yeah. first Hogwarts person to be picked was Cedric. Was Cedric. They, like. they could have just picked three people if the Goblet of Fire was going to pick Harry, but they didn't. They picked Cedric first. So even though Harry was a spare in the actual tournament, Cedric ended up being the spare in Voldemort's eyes. Uh. And then just in general, Harry, um, Harry is now, after his death, um, influenced with all of the nightmares and, like, flashbacks yeah, of Cedric Diggory's death. It's a really huge influence on his life. Because, like, think about it, you know, technically, when, as a baby, he witnessed his parents die. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have, like, concrete memories of that. Yeah. This is the first time that someone died in front of him, and I can't imagine, like, if anyone has experience that the first mm-hmm. time someone who passes away in front of you, that's that imprints on you for the yeah. rest of your life. And, P.S., I just remembered, that's the reason why he can see Thestrals. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, because he had to, I mentioned to that like, fully like, you understand. Have to, yeah, yeah, you have to understand the death. Yeah. That was my mind. Subject to Gary is a huge influence, even if we don't want to think about it, because cursed child reasons, it's the truth. Oh, yeah. It's the truth. Oh. Uh, yeah. 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 We're not going to talk about that anyway, so that's <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> So we also meet, I guess, Bay Light Light? Bay Light Light? <laughs> Bay Light Light? He can be like Bay State, but he don't have a state yet. We've got Bay Town, we've got Bay City, we have Bay Junior, Bay Light. Victor Cross can be like Bay State. So he's, but Bay State he's is like bigger. bigger. Yeah, but he's pretty hot. I mean, so, he's a big deal. He's like an international Quidditch player. He's still in school. But is he bigger in your Bay Light spectrum? Uh, no. no yeah, I, like, I never really had a thing for Victor Crumb. No, exactly. So I would probably call him Bay Light Light. Alright, I like it. Bay Light Light. Bay. Anyways, <laughs> we meet him. He's from Durmstrang. Gross. Mm-hmm. Pretty evil place, it sounds like. <laughs> but whatever. I yeah, think he's a Joe did not paint it in a no, positive light. No. no, and then later with the whole Grindelwald stuff that comes up in Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Why were you there, Victor? What mm. were you doing? But anyway, we'll move on. We also meet Fleur. Yes. With Fleur, Fleur, whatever. Fleur. Fleur de la Cour. I don't know. I really don't like her. Not only because Ron Weasley was, like, obsessed with her in an unhealthy manner. Yeah, it was kind of gross. But also, the way that she talks to Molly in the oh, later books. Yeah. Yes. Not okay, girlfriend. That's true. No. 
But she does end up being one of the bad, one I of know. the seven potters. I know, but I, I mean, she's such a complex character yeah. to me because there's parts of her character where I'm like, yes, queen, but then there's also times where I'm like, sit down, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I get it. She was standing up for her relationship and her man's when she's talking to Molly, but you're talking to Molly, so stop. <laughs> but anyway, so we meet them as well. They're pretty cool. And then but... we meet Cho Chang. Ew. Cho Chang. Listen, Ew. whatever we think about Cho Chang, at the end of the day, <laughs> this is Harry's first romantic experience. I know. Whether I know. it was so ill or not. So ill. Most people's first romantic experience is ill. Yeah. Aww. So it's so cringy. I feel like I'm forced to like her because she's a Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. You she don't have to else. like her. You don't have to like everyone in your house. You're right. I don't like her. I don't yeah. like Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> That's, you know, that's true. Exactly. We that's, have Peter Pettigrew tainting Gryffindor. Well, Ravenclaw yeah. has, like, a lot of, <laughs> like, we got Gilderoy Lockhart. Ooh. We have Cho Chang. I mean, come on. We've had enough. Do you but, have Marietta Edgecombe? Yes. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, Ravenclaw. But you have Luna Lovegood, which yeah, we're going to get yeah. to in a second. And me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're also learning new skills in this book. So we learn about porkies and uh, summoning charm, which is Accio or Accio, whichever, you know. I've always said Accio when I was reading it in my mind. In, yeah. my, in my mind, I always said Accio, but you we really? all... Yes, but we all know my pronunciations are never the, <laughs> the best. But in the books, when you, read, when you hear the audio books, that's how they say it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, no, I can't go off of him because he says canuts. I know, he says <laughs> a lot of weird stuff. He says Rubeus Hagrid. I can't I get over it. <laughs> But speaking of these two specific uh, skills, they, I don't know if it's J.K. Rowling's magic, which I think it is, but um, they're both introduced as just like small little things, you know, small charms at the beginning of the book. And then at the end, they become actually crucial when it comes to the story. And at the end of the day, Voldemort's return. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that was all on a thousand percent on purpose. Yeah. That also, one was because it was within the same story. Yeah. I also really like how it's introduced though, like using the porky to get to the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's so cool. And then yeah. the next time we see it, it's at the porky returning to the graveyard. Uh, well, maybe not so yay. <laughs> maybe well, not so yay. Sp- speaking about the Quidditch World Cup, I just have to give a shout out to the movie for giving us yeah. this beautiful part because I think. This was like the embodiment of me reading the Harry Potter series <laughs> when Harry walks into the tent at the Quidditch World Cup and he just goes, I, I love magic. magic. Which also was so funny to me because I'm like, dude, you've been going to school here for like four years. Like, <laughs> and he thought he was going to walk into like a normal tent. He was like, how are we all going to fit in here? Silly Harry. Come on. Silly Harry. Tricks are for kids. Clearly not a Ravenclaw. Anyway, so we're also overcoming challenges. So we've got more rumors for Harry, which I don't understand. Like, (laughs) why can't people just believe Harry at this point? I know. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. They still continue to not believe him. Yeah, even afterwards. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, I think I would have been really upset at this point. Like, maybe during the Chamber of Secrets, I would have been kind of understanding. No one really knows me. Yeah. But it's like, I've clearly proven myself now. Stop. But, huh. Listen to me. We've also got uh, Triwizard Tournament as the huge challenge here in this book. Yeah. Not only is this a mind-bogglingly, whatever the <laughs> word is, 
hullabaloo. <laughs> the hullabaloo. Not only is this just not safe for kids not as a teacher, like, what? Why does this exist? Yeah, literally, why are 16 and 17-year-olds risking their life? At this point, because at first, it was just open to everybody. Yeah. Well, any age. Maybe that's why Albus calmly asks him why he put his name in the Goblet of Fire. Calmly. 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 Anyways, uh, but the challenge is that Harry, uh, Harry since before he was ever a hero, it was done on the down low. So we never really actually, yeah, we never, key underground. (laughs) we never, but literally for Chamber of Secrets, underground. (laughs) So we never really get to see Harry perform these things to the general audience. Yeah. They just have to take his word for it. And now he's actually put on the spot. Now there's a whole audience literally watching him compete. After only hearing about the stuff that he's done, so he almost has to live up to that pressure in a way, while some people are rooting for his demise with all the rumors. Yeah. Okay, can I just say, I have always had an issue with Goblet of Fire, because, okay, I don't understand. Why in the world did they let Harry do this? Like, I don't care if it's, like, a magical contract. It's not an unbreakable vow. You can break that crap. Yeah. I don't know. We wouldn't have had a fourth book. I know. It was meant meant for the plot line. And Marty Crush Sr. (laughs) But, like, think think about it, like, if this wasn't, like, meant for, like, to, you know, advance the plot. Mm -hmm. Think about it in, like, a rational sense. Like, they literally put the age line for a reason. They became super strict about the age for a reason. And then they're like, oh, you know, the Goblet of Fire, it spit your name out, so I guess you got to. I guess you gotta go. You know, props to Minerva, because she's the only level-headed one who's like, Minerva, you're the first name faces. I love it. I love that. I've always called her Minerva. Oh, Minnie. Oh, Minnie. <laughs> I'm Minnie. Anyways, she's like the only level-headed one in this whole situation in this room who's like, no, he can't compete. He's like 14. Literally. He doesn't have the skills. Dumbledore's like, did you put your name in there? No. Nope. Sucks to be you. Oh, oh well. Oh, well. <laughs> but also, I think it's important to note that this is the first time in the books that a challenge isn't resolved within that specific book. Yeah. So at the end, wow. I'm yeah. talking about like Boldy coming back, yeah, making okay. some stuff happen, and yeah. we're not fixing it right then. Harry like, couldn't stop several it. several books, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, in this book, we see the biggest challenge that Harry faces for the remainder of the series, yeah. is Voldemort's return. Okay, think about the trauma Harry's been through already in <laughs> know, his life. I know, I know. And then he sees... <laughs> I've wept. I've wept several times. <laughs> he sees Cedric Diggory die in front of him uh, just because he decided to be... Literally, Cedric Diggory died because of Harry being a nice guy. Like Because they wanted to share the the, the, the championship. championship. Way to backfire. <laughs> like, if you, Harry wasn't Slytherin, this would have never happened. Uh, that's my taking it. <laughs> oh man, okay. So he sees Cedric die in front of him, and not only that, but the guy that is has literally been in his nightmares his entire life comes to life in front of his eyes, and he has to face him. Mm. Like that whole scene, like think about it. This is the strongest, like baddest wizard of the age attempting to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to use Expelliarmus and hope it works. I'm laughing. And you're... He's, he's like the strongest, baddest wizard of the age and it takes him seven bucks to fail. <laughs> That's very true. He's also so far away from everyone. Like, he he's was really on his own. I, That's, yes. I would have been like, where's the crowd now? Like, can you imagine, like, if the Porky didn't work? Yeah. Bum, bum, like, what bum. if it just ended and that one trip 
That was it. It could have. The cook. <laughs> and Harry Potter dies. The end. That's it. Bro. Anyways. Just a lot. It's just a lot. So moving on to Order of the Phoenix. Possibly my least favorite book. Well, I know why. For no particular reason. But anyways, meeting new people. (laughs) One of my faves, Luna Lovegood. Most, I think most of, most people's fave. Yeah. Yeah. Luna Lovegood. Yeah. Yeah. When I was younger, I really loved her. She's just so cool. Anyways, she's one of the few people that actually believes in Harry because she's got a good head on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ravenclaw. They're also able to bond over being one of the only people to see pastorals. Which gives me one of my really favorite quotes. <laughs> quotes, not quotes. It doesn't give me a quote. <laughs> but she says, what is it? You're just the same as I am? Yeah. I love that quote. Also because he's looking at her like, oh man. <laughs> Am I crazy? Because <laughs> she's crazy. But anyways, we also meet. <clears throat> Umbridge. Literally barf. I actually wrote that in the docs, but it's barf. fine. I, okay, this is going to be my one comment, because if I continue talking, I won't shut up. All right, I'll cut you off. I hate her. Okay. That's it. That's, That's all it. you have it's to say. Done. You can't say anything You more. can't say anything else. You save it for the episode. That's it, done. I can't wait. No, you can't talk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we all know Umbridge is the one who sent a mentors after Harry to neutralize him. Um, Ooh, neutralize. She sounds like an assassin. Yeah, literally was. like No, assassin is a bad A term. That's not for her. <laughs> I almost said bad, like the oh, bad oh, word. Oh, oh. So I was, I was monitoring myself. Do you want me to call her like a cold blooded killer? Yes. <laughs> She's a cold blooded killer. I mean, I have a couple other choice words for her, but I can't say them on this podcast. You know, because we're trying to keep this podcast PG. Yeah, yeah. creative, kids. So, at the beginning of the book, you know, she probably doesn't even know Harry personally, but she just does this really terrible, awful thing, causing him to use magic in front of Dudley outside of school, which just gets him into further trouble, almost gets him expelled from Hogwarts, like, he almost can't go back, with this, like, very terrible time going on. No. No, it's actually a positive? Oh, I don't like that either. A positive over Umbridge. Of Umbridge? Okay. I, I hate her, but if it weren't for her, uh, like, unleashing the the Dementors on Privet Drive, we would have never had, like, Harry and Dudley, like, reconciling. That's true. Whatever, I don't care that much. Oh, my goodness. I think it's a nice heartwarming moment. It's great. I, it's, I, love it, okay, I think it's really but, important. Yeah, I think it's important, too. She set or a lot nice. of events in motion that I don't appreciate. No, 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 no. Okay, that's why I said it's, like, the one tiny, 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 tiny. positive thing. No, I'm going to call it not positive. I'm going to just call it, like, a not negative. There we go. Okay. I'm happy with that one. <laughs> She's also the one that uses the black quill on Harry, which... Rude. I think for me, like, showed how not only brave Harry is, but how resilient he is. So, in a a way, I think that maybe it was due to some of the experiences that he might have had with the Dursleys that might have just kind of uh, conditioned him to kind of take whatever. torture. Yeah, literally withstand torture and still not bat an eye. I mean, I cannot imagine. I'm a little sucker that if... I would have been had to etch. Uh, I must not tell lies on my hand over and over again to the point that now, even as an adult, he has it as scars on his hand. Like that's insane. No, I would not. I don't know if I would be mm-hmm. able to handle that. This I, woman. I yeah. personally, I would have broken. Like that would have broken me if I had to etch it on the back of my hand. She would have broken me. <laughs> All right. P.S. You know, like 
you know, magic can regrow bones. Yeah. Can restore memories. Why can't Harry just like bottle fame, brew glory? <laughs> Post opera and death. <laughs> but like literally, why can't Harry just go to a healer and be like, hey, fix oh, my scar on I my think, hand? I think it's like a pride thing. Yeah. Because I, I, I I'm sorry, I would not want that memory. At all. Oh, associate. you mean later on? Yeah, later oh, on. Oh, I thought you were talking about, well, like, when no, it was happening. No, I was no, like, I wouldn't let her see it so that she could know that it wasn't bothering No, like, me. as an adult, Harry still has the scar. I'm like, why didn't you just go? Like, I understand I'm your lightning it. scar keeping it. I wouldn't, anything associated with Umbridge on my... I think... I don't think Harry cares that much. I think he, pro- like, he I think wears his scars it. with pride. Yeah, it's not about, I don't know that he wears it with pride. No, I I think he does. I I think it's one of those things, like, without these scars, I'm not who I am. Yeah, I would have kept it, if I was going to keep it, as a reminder of what happened and Mm. how we got here. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, like, the whole scar on my forehead is not a big enough reminder? Oh, I don't know this why you're a, having such an issue right now. I don't know. It's Harry's You have body. to be silent, remember? <laughs> yeah, you're not to talk. Okay, we're learning new skills. Yes, we're I, learning new skills. I personally view teaching because he takes up Dumbledore's army and he's yes. a teacher. It is a skill. Not everyone can be a teacher. Uh, Just yeah, saying. I did like, it and I quit. <laughs> and he's For such sure. an amazing teacher. Yes, he is he really, really is. great. When he's not paying attention to Cho Chang. But dude, like, like an idiot. He taught other 15-year-olds how to do a Patronus charm. There's some people in the world, like wizards, grown wizards, that don't know, can't do a Patronus charm. And he taught a whole army to do it. Yeah, like, at 15. I think my favorite parts of those classes are really Neville. Like, Neville getting to do I'm like, yes, shy, baby, shy. You're doing it, sweetie. Sweetie. (laughs) Anyways. Our next skill, we have... Mastering Oculumency with Snake. We're not mastering, really. Um, In a way, we start off, he tries, but... And in the end, we kind of see that he starts obsessing over the thoughts, and he wants to use this skill and these visions, I guess that would be the word, to help him instead of uh, protecting his own mind. Um, I might have done that, too, honestly. I guess, and I... It's very noble of him. Yeah, it's... It saves, you know, uh, Arthur. Arthur, but in the it end, completely it backfires. <sighs> and you know what? I kind of think that Voldemort set that up on purpose. Like, absolutely. I think oh, he absolutely. sent yeah. Nagini there on purpose, knowing that Arthur was the one who's going to be there. He knew that Harry had a relationship with Arthur Weasley because Lucius Malfoy told him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, all right, let's set up the situation. I already know Harry's kind of like in my mind. Yeah. So Harry's going to see this. He's going to save Arthur. So later on, we can abuse that and have like a fake gonna, torture of someone he loves. Yeah, he's going to believe yeah. everything. You know what makes me really upset about this? Is that Joe has already come out and said that at one point she was going to kill off Arthur. And then she decided mm-hmm. not to because she wanted to keep at least like one parental figure around. And that could have been him. And it, it that just been it. incites my rage. But whatever. It's fine. It's fine. In a way, I I love Harry and I don't... I, he's already gone through so much pain. I don't want to put more fault on him. And I'm sure he probably already thought this. But if it wasn't that he was obsessing over these thoughts and trying to use this skill to, you know, save other people, maybe Sirius would still be alive. I know. There's just so many things that could have happened. Like when he tells Snape 
he's got Padfoot at the place yeah, where it's hidden. Yeah. I mean, there could have just been so much. Like, why wasn't Snape faster? Why didn't Harry wait? Why didn't we listen to Hermione? There's just so many things that went through. Yeah. Speaking of Snape, since obviously we know Snape is the one helping Harry with his occulimency. Occul- hard word. It is. Occulimency. Occulimency. There we go. Jeez. Um, it's like that other word. What is it? R. Yay! You did it! Guys, I, pra- I practice sometimes. I practice sometimes. <laughs> um... But we already know that Snape and Harry, ever since day one, do not have the best relationship, and now they have to work together. It's a necessary evil working with him, and it doesn't really help their relationship. It actually makes it a lot worse. Way worse. Way worse. Honestly, this is probably one of the examples that I would use for Snape being the most petty. Oh, yeah. When he just says, okay, like, you're on your own. Have a fun time. How did Dumbledore even let that happen? Okay. Mad about it. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later, but... um, Metaphorical pin. Yes, he does... The reason why Snape walks away from uh, mastering Occlumency with Harry again um, is because Harry kind of seeps into Snape's memories. And now, in the past, we've seen that he has these connections to his parents um, through, like, people of Sirius Black and Remus Lupin, and now this is a connection to his parents that's completely opposite, specifically with James. Yeah. Yes. Being I, his bully. Yeah, I, this is the first, like, like actual concrete proof that, like, Snape wasn't just talking crap all his years, saying yeah. that James was a bully. Like, James actually was a bully, and he I think was. that was so hard for... Harry to not see his dad in the limelight for the mm-hmm. first time. Well, imagine you know nothing about your parents, and then you're finally yeah. getting little glimpses, and then you find out that maybe in their teen years they he weren't wasn't the best. such a great, you know, shining role model. Yeah, that your that your dad that you you looked up your to was a bully. Yeah. yeah, he has his faults. That's for another time. Anyways, we're overcoming more challenges. Alright. More rumors. Oh, more yes. freaking rumors. More rumors. People not believing that Voldemort is back. Even which, though all the signs are there. Which, it was annoying, but honestly, I mean, I I could see why you wouldn't want to believe yeah. that. So you just cling to this hope that it's not true, but also y'all are dumb. But that was denial. Huge denial. And especially responsibility on the Minister of Magic, having that denial, uh, you just kind of let a bunch of people... jellyfish. It's the worst. <laughs> Literally. That is the definition of Cornelius Fudge. Yep. And then we've also got overcoming challenges. Umbridge's class. We've already talked Umbridge. about her. And Dumbledore's <laughs> army. But without Umbridge's class, we never would have gotten Dumbledore's army. And without all of those like classes and skills that they did outside mm-hmm. of the actual classroom, <laughs> maybe we would have never had... You know, the the seven, not the seven, actually the six, uh, like Neville, Ginny, Luna, yeah. apart from the Golden Trio, they might have never been ready for the Battle of the Department of Mysteries. Um, so, or actually Battle, Battle of Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Yeah, but Battle of Department of Mysteries was it's like the, the first, the first one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the most, the, the closest one. So, it's kind of, a, I guess, a good part of why Umbridge sucks so much. Good light in the sense of her sucking. All right. <laughs> Jenny, we're gonna have to talk about uh, the worst the actual. challenge of overcoming. Yes, the serious passing away. Yeah, Bellatrix, <laughs> rude. I just I can't even begin to understand how someone can process that much loss. His life 
Yeah. It's just a tragedy, really, Harry's. It really, really is. But yeah. it just feels like another parental figure has been taken from you. It's soul-crushing. And I will say that the fact that he was able to fight all of those Dementors and have one of the most traumatic childhood I wrote is lit. <laughs> is lit. It's lit. It's lit. Um, but I don't. I just. I will never be okay with Sirius passing away. Like I won't ever be okay with it. I understand why yeah. she may have written it, but I just won't be okay with it. Uh, yeah. It is. It is like it's such a traumatizing moment. And I actually learned this recently. So in oh the Order of the Phoenix film, uh, this I think is the first time we're actually going to talk about like Daniel Radcliffe and like giving major props to him. Like, yeah. first yeah. of all, bomb Harry. Like, you're it was his great. birthday yesterday. Having a late belated birthday. Thirty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, in this scene where Sirius passes away, you you know if you've seen the movie, Harry scream is muted and apparently it's muted because everyone who was there who heard the actual scream said it was so heart-wrenching that they could not put it in In the the film because it would literally break people's hearts way more they already broke my heart (laughs) yeah but imagine like like e- even muted, you can, you can feel yeah. the pain so much. Imagine hearing it. Like I hope that there's a clip of it somewhere out in the universe. Yes. Oh, I want to kind of watch it. I would No, no, I would not. I'll, okay, I'll watch it, uh-huh. but then literally be a blubbering mess for the rest of my life. I would make you guys watch it first, <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Can I survive it? Will I be okay?" But I, can, I can tell you right now, no. <laughs> Speaking of. I guess kind of the same situation on a lighter note. For this movie, Gary Oldman is the actor that plays Sirius Black props. Yeah. But he was talking to somebody in his trailer and he hadn't read like the whole script yet. He had it. He was like, ah, someone dies in this one. And then it was him. (laughs) And I just find it funny. Oh my god. Wait, he didn't even know it was him. He had no idea. They got to that scene and he was like well, it's me. Yeah, because, like, Gary Oldman didn't, like, read the whole yeah. series, yeah. like, beforehand. He just read, like, snippets of it, like, snippets that were important <laughs> to his character. Yeah. And then he didn't finish reading the script, and then someone just mentioned it in passing, and he's like, oh, wait. Wait a second. Oh, that's me. Dang. I'm out of a job. <laughs> it's okay. Gary Oldman is doing fine. Like, doing yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I make a really quick tangent? Quick. Super quick. So Super quick. It was when I was watching the the movies with Raul that he pointed out how big of an actor Gary Ullman is. And then I did my research and I was like, whoa, the majority of the characters that were casted for Harry Potter are super huge in the UK. And yeah. us, in, us in America, I had no clue. Yeah, David Tennant, who is plays Barty Crouch Jr. No idea. I you didn't know who that was? No, I did love him. Did you ever him. have a Tumblr? Hello. <laughs> he was actually fun fact, he just started Doctor Who at the same time filming. Oh, really? Yeah, um, Goblet of Fire. So he really blew up at the same time Goblet of Fire came up. And I just love that man so much. He's such an amazing actor. I just, I love him so much. But like, anyways. Yeah, anyways, like, again, 90% of the actors were huge in the UK, and this was the first time that I was like, whoa. Pretty much. Really? Yes. Uh, Okay, then. Like, okay, basically all the staff... Yeah, yeah, all the adult characters are huge, huge characters. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah. Anyways. Moving on to the Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince. Oh, my Beautiful. favorite book. Yes. <laughs> it's also one of my favorites. It will forever be tied with Prisoner of Aspen. But anyways, we're meeting new people in this book, too. So who do we meet? Professor Slughorn. Yeah. Eh. He's always like a teeter-totter of, do we like this guy? Do we like this guy? He's very meh. He's a little um, tater-tot. But he is really important. When it, <laughs> tater tot? Tater tot? I guess he can look like a tater tot. You said tater tot. Tater tots look just... yummy, though. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Professor Slughorn, even though he's mad, like a tater tot, apparently. Um, he is really important when it comes to the plot. Um, yes, he is. So we've got Harry being nudged by Dumbledore to befriend him and be uh, already Dumbledore manipulating him again. Yeah. Okay. He's to uh, quote unquote be collected, oh, and then that's so gross. yeah, gross. Yeah, and then he ends up taking his potion class, which at first he wasn't really actually going to take it, and then his um, scores for the last year's potion classes are accepted, and then that's when his he had made it to owls. advanced making. Exactly. Um, they exceeded expectations. Um, but anyway, so that leads him to what is the Half-Blood Prince's version of the Advanced Potion Making textbook, which becomes a really huge, um, important skill, which we'll talk about in a second. And then we also know Slughorn is the one who confirms uh, Voldemort's creations of horror. Ooh, horcruxes. <laughs> I really just like I couldn't take it. I was like, oh, horcrux. That's, that's <laughs> my soul was just like, oh. <laughs> Thank you, Marianne. Yes, but that's why he ends up. Harry allows himself to be collected is to retrieve that really important memory that sets off the rest, the course of the rest of the books. Yeah. So we're also learning new skills in this book, which mm -hmm. also come from the textbook. Yeah, that we just talked yeah. about. Yeah. All right. So the advanced potions making textbook. The Half-Blood Prince. Like, this is what the whole book is about, mm -hmm. basically. And it's so interesting to me that Harry's the one who has this book, who is so strongly associated with Snape, and he has no idea that he is, one, becoming a bomb potion maker <laughs> because of Snape. I would argue that. He what? was a bomb potion maker. In, 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 the, in this, like, storyline, yeah. he's just following the rules exactly. I would still argue it. All right, what's your argument? I would just, I could be a bomb potion maker too if every, if they wrote down every little tip and trick. I feel like to be a bomb potion maker, he would have had to have some sort of knowledge instead of just following the recipe. That's true. So yeah. I guess the bomb potion maker in the sense I is could cheat too. Yeah. You know, if I took test open book, I'd be a bomb testing. <laughs> just saying, this is another connection between Snape and Harry. It's and Harry's like, which, P.S. Fun fact, mm -hmm. he's like, this textbook has already been a better teacher than Snape ever has. And I'm like, LOL. Snape is teaching you right now. Yeah. LOL. Yes. Which it also goes back to the whole, as a kid, you're never going to understand, like, your worst teachers yeah. as humans. Like, they, could, they, could do, they could be hugging you and giving you presents and you might still hate mm -hmm. them at that time. And I think, it's, I think it's very interesting that Joe decided to make an entire book based off of the importance mm -hmm. of Snape. Yeah. And I think that goes to show you how strong Sna how strongly Joe feels about Snape in Harry's life. Mm -hmm. That she literally titled a whole book after Snape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that's pretty insane. And I guess one of the interesting parts about this book that I always thought was a very strange part and one of the Harry's biggest character flaws in relation to 
Draco Malfoy. Oh, I think, don't take out my pin. No, 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 I'm not going to take it out. Okay. But this is a <laughs> spell that he learned from the Advanced Potions textbook, Sectum Sempra. First of all, mm-hmm. Harry, why are you just saying random spells yeah. and you don't know what they do? I'm sorry, but Sectum Sempra doesn't sound like a nice spell. Yeah. Anyways. It sounds like a nice spell. Yeah, okay. it doesn't. So that leads perfectly into my pin. But before we unpin it, I want to ask you guys a question. Sure. Would you have used the textbook as long as Harry did? Hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. I thought you guys were going to say no. No, are you? Hello, I am the Harry of the group. That's true. I I would have for sure said yes. I think after the whole Levy Corpus thing with Neville, I think I would have stopped. Yeah. It would have been too tempting for me. Because it was, I mean, I see what they were saying. Like, oh yeah, it was just fun. Like, haha, it was a laugh. No one got hurt. But I think I would have been like, mm, maybe I'll listen to the potion part of it, but I'm not going to be following yeah. spells like written in the side of this text. I think mm-hmm. I think that's where I probably would have drawn the line. I would have been like, okay, let me just continue making my awesome potion so I can pass this class with flying colors. <laughs> and this is so unhermione of me, but I mean. It's true. This is the, the procrastinator college version of me coming out. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I would have con- I would have continued. So, I'm sorry, but just reading, like, when you, when he saw Sectum Sempra written in the margins, it literally said, for your right. enemies. Yeah. yeah. The second I saw that, I would have been like, mmm. All right, pause. We're taking my pin out. Go. So, this is going to technically, just so y'all can keep track, be in the portion of this book that we are overcoming challenges. But, I just wanted to say, sometimes... Especially with Draco, I think that Harry is just so set in his opinion once he makes it up. It's mm-hmm. almost like you can't change his mind. Like he is with Snape. I was about yeah. to say, like, we see it with Snape. He just makes a snap judgment decision. Even though in the first book, we prove that Snape wasn't the one that was jinxing him during the Quidditch game. We go through all of this stuff. And then it's like, he just won't change his mind, no matter how much evidence we have to the contrary. So, for me, it's like you're walking into this bathroom... This beautiful boy is clearly going through a rough time. Harry definitely didn't think this boy was beautiful, but okay. He could have. Uh, mutually exclusive. He could have been a beautiful bully. Any, we're not going to get into it. But anyway, <laughs> this kid is obviously going through something, and we see it throughout the whole book. Like, he's following Draco on the Marauder's map. He knows that something is up, and then still, he just he, it's like he has no empathy for him at all. None. And he uses this spell, and then obviously he feels bad after he does it. Because, you but, know, he almost straight up killed him. I know, but sometimes I just feel like yeah. he is so stringent about it. And that's so crazy because he's one of the most empathetic characters yeah. in this series. But when it comes to those people, those snap judgments that he makes, yeah. he will not move out Which of is them. crazy to me because we spend most of this podcast talking about all the rumors that he has to overcome. Yeah. And all of these people judging him or having a certain opinion about him. And then he is so strict about this one dude. You know, could it be because of the nature of his father? James Potter did the same thing. With Snape. Yeah, with Snape. He never, yeah. So maybe that is Mm. one of those like, slight flaws that he acquired from his father even slight though flaws. he not those slight flaws that he acquired from James even though he never grew up with him yeah besides that one year I just I don't know I feel it was just so meh yeah no poor Draco it definitely is a, a contradiction when it comes to Harry reaching out to others like yeah. Luna like people called her Looney for yeah, so long true. and made fun of her. And he was one of those people who made the effort to get to know her and be yeah. her friend. I mean, I know that him and Draco have a history. And it's yeah. not like Draco exactly deserves somebody to be 
I mean, well, deserves Harry to be trying to understand his feelings right yeah. now. But yeah. you would expect a hero to take a second yeah, and that moment to be like, hey, this guy's crying in the bathroom. Like, I personally, like, if I'm thinking of, like, my worst enemy in my school years, yeah. like, this one girl that I just did not get along with, if I heard her crying in the bathroom, like, the Gryffindor in me would have just completely overpowered. I would have been like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> oh, like, or maybe yeah. Hufflepuff. I don't know. <laughs> I am definitely, rising. I'm definitely Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> She's definitely Gryffindor Hufflepuff rising. Definitely. <laughs> I There is one and only one Pottermore quiz I took because I mm-hmm. took the Pottermore quiz three times. One time I came out Hufflepuff. Yeah, one time same. I came out Hufflepuff as well. Many years after I had been sorted into Ravenclaw many a time. And it's because Are we, we all, all Hufflepuff rising. We all have a little bit of a Hufflepuff inside of us. Uh, if you haven't, go ahead and watch the Puffs play and learn more <laughs> about that and why we all have a little bit of a puff. Anyway, <laughs> overcoming more challenges. So um, we're going to talk about this. It seems like a lot, but he has to overcome the very not brotherly feelings that he starts to have for Ginny. Yes. I actually have a direct quote um, that the narrator... a direct quote. Hell yeah. That the narrator is kind of talking of uh, Harry, what's going on in Harry's thoughts. It's so, so great. It is great. <laughs> so I'm going to read it. It says, They had lived, had they not, like brother and sister all summer, playing Quidditch, teasing Ron, and having a laugh about Bill and Flem. <laughs> he had known Ginny for years now. It was natural that he should feel protective. Natural that he should want to look out for her. Want to rip Dean Lim from Lim for kissing her. No. He wouldn't have to control that particular brotherly feeling. Yes. (laughs) It's such a funny quote to me. Because it's like, clearly he's kind of like in denial. That is not a brotherly feeling to have. No. But it's so nice because... I mean, it is. But not the way that he's feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, It's a little weird at first. The fuzzies around Oh my god, he caught the feels. Yeah. He caught the feels. Welcome, Harold. But what I really like is that they end up sharing their first kiss in this book. So that, it depends on um, what, yeah, the book version and the movie version are different in the book. It's uh, after. No, Elizabeth can't talk. And... You are barred from saying anything right now. Yeah. Not yeah. yet. Another episode. Another episode. Why? Not tonight. Are you going to, are you going to reference the movies? Yeah, she is. I'm going to reference the movies, but I'm not going to reference in, in particular my issues with Bonnie Wright. It's going to be my you issues. You just did. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. We, we've talked about it before. I have some issues with Bonnie Wright and the way she played Jenny, but my biggest issue in general is just the way the movies portrayed Harry and Jenny's relationship. Yeah. I feel like they did super dirty mm-hmm. because in the books, we realize how momentous this relationship is yeah. for yeah. Harry yeah. in particular, especially to have someone who fully understands that, yeah. you know... But we talked about tra- Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. yeah, that understands, you know, I've, I've lived through Voldemort. I know what you need to do. Go do it. I will be here. And she's not doing it as, like, you know, the wife in the background waiting for mm-hmm. her husband. She's doing it empowered. And we mm-hmm. don't get any of that empowerment in the book. We literally just see Ginny for split seconds in the book. All of a sudden, she's kissing Harry. All of a sudden, they break up. Mm-hmm. And then 
I can't. I can't. Yeah. So if for the for those of you fans who might have seen the uh, might have only seen the movie in the book, uh, they kiss after Gryffindor won the Quidditch Cup. While in the movie, they kiss um, in the Room of Requirement when Harry's trying to hide the Half Blood Prince textbook. Um, and just like um, Elizabeth just mentioned, they momentarily broke it off at Dumbledore's funeral, even though he'd go for, like, the next year just thinking about her when they're, like, in Deathly Hallows, like, just looking for these horcruxes. He's like, I wonder where she is. I hope she's okay. But it's fine. Whatever. LOL. Um, <laughs> it's fine. But I agree. Like, it's just a certain magic when it comes to these two that they're the only ones that really can relate to each other. Um... I had a thought, and I, you know, got lost. It got lost. It got lost in your feelings for them. It did get lost. (laughs) There's two kinds of people. (laughs) (laughs) It got lost. Maybe okay. Maybe I feel so strongly about this because, like, when I was growing up, I had a crush on Harry, Mm -hmm. and I felt like Ginny deserved like better. No, no, that like they deserved each other. I felt like they were a great match. And I feel like the movie didn't play her up at oh all. God, remember when we told Elizabeth that she wasn't allowed to talk about it? <laughs> no, I did not it's talk okay. about my other issues yet. My I'll talk about issues. it later. <laughs> People right. are going to now wonder what they are. We're getting them hooked. Yes. Listen in Stay when we talk tuned. about the Weasleys. Yes. Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> I would also like to mention, I just remembered my thought. Um, yeah. But... Ginny also doesn't only love Harry for being the chosen one, which yeah. a lot of the people like Romil Devane is one of the gross, one of the obvious um, known cases. Scene, I love that scene in the movie. Yeah. She Romil- only wants you because you're the chosen one, but I am the chosen one. Exactly. So she's, it's kind of like a superficial reason of why she likes Harry. Well, Ginny isn't like that. Ginny and Harry grew up with each other and there's reasons that are a lot deeper beyond just him being the chosen one. So even though she loves him yeah. as a wife and supporting him as the chosen one, it's not because he's the chosen one. Oh, my God. Not for the glory. She loves him because of who he is and what he's going through and their shared experiences. Great, right. lady. Yeah. Jenna. All right. So uh, more challenges. More challenges. We're also learning about Horcruxes. Yeah. That's in itself Surprise! a huge challenge. Going, having to go through that whole um, adventure with Dumbledore, you know, yeah. the, like trying to battle the Inferi. Is that how you in pronounce theory, it? That's how I say it. Inferi. Um, having to battle that and then having to, now your mentor is like trying to drink all this like living drought and it's like, ah. Um, that's and not the name of the potion, but death, okay. of, death of living drought, isn't it? You no. just said living drought. Well, yeah, I know it's the, I know the full name. I just gave you No, but that's like, not like, it though. I don't what think is it's it? ever confirmed, is it? No, just it's not it. feels super bad. Well, yeah. whatever the that specific syrup is. Keep us out of the corrections tab. <laughs> right. Keep this, uh, <laughs> that specific syrup that he has, it must be really difficult to. Oh my gosh, he's calling it a syrup. I know. I can't get past that part. I'm stuck on it being syrup. <laughs> it's like this expired maple syrup. <laughs> Uh, just because I can't, I, I, I can't call it water. I guess this it's liquid. This is a challenge that Marianne is overcoming on her Oh my goodness. <laughs> Anyways, um, having to be there for your mentor now, 
not at, uh, now as the bigger person helping them overcome yeah. their own challenge. That a must lot. be difficult a in lot itself. Responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. This is the first time that you know Dumbledore has been this person on the pedestal, the strongest person. That you know, the person that Voldemort fears. Like as long as Dumbledore's yeah. around, Harry's protected. And here he sees Dumbledore like literally crumbling before him and becoming weak and helpless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Can well, you imagine? Well, he's also super famous for being a great wizard. Yeah. You know? Wizard. He discovers the 12 uses of magic, magic's blood, dragon's mm -hmm. blood. I can't talk. I'm, I'm kicking myself off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I mean, he has his own chocolate frog heart. This dude's a big deal and he's whimpering on the ground. I like know. A child. And then, and then we lose him. Which yeah. is another challenge that he has to overcome. Yeah. You know, I actually felt Dumbledore's death so much. And I think it's because, like, I, I always, like, when I was reading the books, I always envisioned myself next to Harry, like, yeah. going through it with, with him. him. And that whole time I was falling in love with, like, Dumbledore as, like, my father figure. And all of a sudden, like, yeah. he goes and I'm... I, I bawled. Like, I'm pretty sure if I pull out my Hackwood prints, mm -hmm. you'll see tear marks. Tear marks. Staining the pages. I would also like to mention that out of all the people that were trying to help Harry, Ginny was the only one that could pull Harry away from Dumbledore's corpse um, after he had passed away. Yeah. yeah. Just to say that before momentarily breaking off the relationship. Love us. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it's time, kids. Oh man. By the Deathly Hallows. Whoa. <laughs> My first note, first of all, wow. Wow. Yeah. That was a lot of information. It was a big book. It was a journey. Yeah. And we went on with them. Still not as big as Order of the Phoenix, though. <laughs> Still not as big as Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix takes the cake. Yeah. So, in the Deathly Hallows, something that comes up yet again is Harry's thing. He does the, his shtick. Where being he's like, honorable. He's being honorable, yes, but he's also being very annoying. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you need your friend's help. And I, I get what he's doing. He's trying to protect them, and he's trying to be a good dude. But you can't just, like, ditch your friends in the middle of the night. It's bad form. <laughs> yeah. And they've helped you get all the way here. But yeah. Whatever. It's all right. We're moving on. We so, do meet new people. Yes, we are meeting new people, like... Xenophilius Lovegood. Mm. Hmm. Love that man. Um, do. He obviously, you know. What? He, I do. Yeah. I think he's kind of like quirky and cool. Huh. Yeah. I like dig his vibe. Even though he makes that. a huge mistake. I, you know, yeah, I'll agree with that sentence. Yeah. I think just. Okay. I dig his vibe, but you know, he could have handled it. A lot better. better. <laughs> a lot better. As a parent now, I would have done the exact yeah. same thing, if not worse. I would have seen yeah. him come up and been like, nah, 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 nah you're gone. Like, I need my daughter back. I would have yeah. just never wanted to have that situation. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's obviously, I think, it's, well, yeah. you know, you're a parent. Obviously, you're going to pick your child. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I guess. I don't know. But anyways, the point is, it's like... That the it's reason a, why... It's a tough choice. It's a tough yeah. time. And the reason why Xenophilius is so important when it comes to this specific story is because of the Deathly Hallows. He's the one that has the shape, the symbol across his chest as a necklace. And because of that, Hermione remembers that, hey, we should go over, talk to him. Obviously, he knows something that is a similar symbol that they found in yeah. this book. Um, he introduces what the Deathly Hallows are with yeah. help from Ron. Um, and then this ends up being a clue to what Voldemort eventually is going to be after. We also meet 
Aberforth. Aberforth Dumbledore. The probably the crankier Dumbledore. Cranky <laughs> Dumbledore. I, I want to do a whole episode about him. I have a lot of questions. Goats. Mo- mostly about goats. Mostly goats. about the goats. What was he doing to them? <laughs> I want to know. We're not, we never get told what he does with the goats. Hey, he, if anyone has any theories, hit us up. Hit he us goats. up. Yes. Um, but from Aberforth, uh, he's really important when it comes to learning and revealing Dumbledore's life. Yeah. Um, especially to Harry. He got, Harry had this instance with James um, when it comes to Snape and looking into his memories back in Order of the Phoenix. And now we have a similar situation now with yeah. Dumbledore as his mentor, seeing that he's maybe is not as perfect as Harry might have thought yeah. and might have idolized him to be. And this is something that, like, he struggles with, like, throughout this book, which is so funny. Like, there are so many more things to keep you preoccupied, mm-hmm. and yet you're constantly thinking about, man, was Dumbledore the person I thought he was? Like, yeah. But it's, it's, Aberforth is the person who broke that glass. Like, his, his world was shattered when it came to Dumbledore, because it was confirmed that, like, he hasn't always been a cool dude, and he might have actually been an evil dude at some point, yeah. which is kind of insane. What really bothers me about this whole situation is Harry believed in this guy through and through, right? He keeps saying, I'm Dumbledore's man, through and yeah. through. And his faith in Dumbledore was so easily shattered. Were his questions valid? Yes. But it's like all of a sudden, Rita Skeeter published something, you found out something you didn't know, and now you're questioning your entire relationship with this man. But I think it was an appropriate thing to question because he got so many little confirmations from people throughout the journey. Yeah, I'm not saying that it wasn't, but it's just like his faith was so shaken so quickly. He's also a 17-year-old. I mean, as a teacher, I've had those instances where kids might have known me for a, a significant amount of time, like four years and stuff like that. And they'll question me as an authority figure, mm-hmm. even if I do, like, the smallest mistake. It just yeah. happens. I think a kid is, um, yeah. when you break a shatter of trust, even if it's the smallest thing, they are going to question you and they are going to remember that. But it's also really interesting that, you know, his trust is kind of shaken. Yeah. But he is still continuing on the path that Dumbledore set him. Obviously. Because so, he's noble. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, also at this point, I don't think he thinks that he has an option to back out because it's either he continues this journey, brings Voldemort to his demise, or the rest of the wizarding world continues to die. Yeah. yeah. If anything, he's very emotionally intelligent in that sense that he kind of puts away his like biases and his but that's what like, I'm saying. Concern. He's still yeah. trusting that Dumbledore was right in that aspect. Because that's I mean, that's where we're getting the information at this point. So mm-hmm. it's just a very and, interesting situation to think about. I think. Is it at this point when because um, this is pretty late in Deathly Hollows when they're at the Hog's Head. Mm-hmm. Does he know already, like, the depths of how much uh, Dumbledore has been manipulating him? Well, I guess he knows as much that's in the book, but yeah. it might not be confirmed or denied. So I think Aberforth becomes that com- confirmation of what might be true enough. I think it comes from Aberforth, but some of the confirmation also comes from when Snape gives him the memories. And he goes yeah, back okay, to yeah, the yeah. Scene. Snape yeah. is the yeah. ultimate confirmation. Yeah. 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 That, I think we get a little bit of from, like, both worlds. Because he's still fighting Aberforth. Because he's yeah. still telling him, your brother was a good man. I'm yeah. still going to continue on his path. And then he goes into the school. Mm-hmm. And then it's when Snape is dying. Spoiler alert. That he retrieves those memories from him and watches them in the Pensieve. Mm-hmm. And those are, like, the real confirmations. Yeah. The real confirmations that... Hashtag confirmed. 
Yes. Hashtag. So, uh, learning new skills, still part of the hero's journey. We uh, talked about this a little bit as a group. And everybody was like, what are we learning in Deathly Hallows? And I uh, suggested camping. Camping That's as a it. skill. Moving on. Overcoming challenges. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I guess overcoming challenges is gathering pretty obvious. Is, gathering the Horcruxes, that is a huge freaking challenge. I mean, they're going through all, like, the different sides of the edges of the wizarding world to find these things. And some of them, you know... They're difficult. I mean, they had to break into Gringotts, which we knew by the first book. It's not the easiest thing to do. And the if you do it, Quite you're like lightly. an insane <laughs> wizard. Um, it's just, it's frowned upon, if anything. And to think, like, this challenge of gathering the Horcruxes, not only is it the challenge of, like, finally trying to defeat this enemy that you've been facing literally your entire life, but this challenge is literally bringing to a breaking point your relationship with your two best friends yeah it really really tests those friendships and speaking of testing friendships yeah i always really appreciated when ron comes back to them and he helps harry get the sword and destroy the locket mm-hmm. how harry was just so happy to have him back he was just like come on in dude let's go to the tent yeah that's very true just <coughs> hermione again very forgiving <laughs> But Hermione had, like, uh, yeah, you know, know, that romantic attachment. I know. I yeah. Know. yeah. Another, overco- another challenge that he overcomes is facing death. Not just once, but twice. Twice. To the hands of Voldemort. And that he has to die without protecting himself. Yeah, the yeah. first time. If you told me that, I would have been like, not some, bye. <laughs> Do you know how... It, it is your natural instinct when you're faced with that ultimate like, final moment of death, very, very, very few people can actually just accept, accept it. it. You know, even if you're like, yeah, you know, I think it's my time. I think it's my time to go. At that very last second, most people have that fight response. Like, no, 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 well, wait, wait, wait. I don't want to go. It's literally ingrained physically in your body. Exactly. Like if you're drowning, your body will hold your breath for you until the very last minute it's, when you pass out. Exactly. So it's strong stuff. It's pretty insane that he is fighting that primal urge to stay alive for the sake of everyone else. Yeah. All those people that started rumors about him. Yeah, where are they now? Where are they now? That's oh, like, that's right, alive. <laughs> Harry Potter. Maybe oh. not all of them, but yeah, yes. Yeah, there was some, some questionable them. stuff that happened, but you know, whatever. It's also the positives. It's the biggest moment of bravery for him. I think that's just like... I think... From him watching the memories in the Pensieve, yeah, all the way to him finally expelling Voldemort from the world, that was just like lit AF. I mean, all of Deathly Hallows. It was just bravery yeah. everywhere. Can I just say, like, it was really a parade quick, of Gryffindor? Deathly <laughs> Hallows was like so much. I I read Deathly Hallows. I remember timing myself. In, I was a, Hermione. such a freaking Hermione. I can't. I read it in fourteen hours. What is wrong? With I did not sleep. See, the thing with me is that I want to savor it. I want to slow it down. I want to read every detail. I want to prolong it so that I can have it for as long as possible. I no, I had too much anxiety. <laughs> too much anxiety. Read I didn't time. have anxiety yet, so I was good. <laughs> so, um, a couple of weeks ago, I get to work. It's really early. I do rake a lot. Elizabeth actually <laughs> pointed out that you guys may not know what I'm raking. I'm raking poop. So, <laughs> so I'm raking my 
minding my own business. And animal have, poop. Animal poop. Animal I'm poop. a zookeeper if you haven't listened to our teaser. Check it out. So I'm ranking animal poop and I'm forcing the animals to listen to Harry Potter. And so I am listening to the very last scene where he's in the Great Hall with Voldemort. And that whole dialogue is so good. It's powerful. I was, I, I felt empowered. I was in the area with rake in hand and I was just feeling so exhilarated. It gave me energy. And then I thought about the movie and I was like, what wow. happened? And you know me, I don't, don't, I don't usually critique the movies. I just, you know, kind of took what I was given and rolled with it. But I will say that one scene, I was just like, what happened? She gave you the perfect script. Yeah. And it kind of just ruined it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, de- I definitely want to talk about it, like, the way Voldemort died way more when we talk about Voldemort because I do have so many feelings about it. Yeah. But definitely, like, n- I feel like Harry's speech in the movie even though it was, like, empowering, I feel like it was a little uh-huh. lackluster. We yeah. do this together. We do this together. Let's jump off the bridge. Let's jump yeah. off the bridge. <laughs> Anyways. Um, another part of this book, I guess, that also gets me is when he finally is able to use the Resurrection Stone. Mm-hmm. And you're fully expecting, obviously, that his parents are going to come yeah. and support him. But then you also get Bay Jr. And what was he? Bay City? Oh man, I forgot my bays. I Bay, don't want cross Bay them. Junior and think Bay State. It technically it was no. Bay City, but I think it should be your Bay State. I think he should be Bay Country. But anyways, <laughs> we get serious and Lupin too, and yeah. I just feel like that's so important because it really shows you how important they were to Harry. Yeah, it kind yeah. of puts him on the same level as his parents. Yeah, yeah. I think we need to talk about like the deaths that happened in Harry's life. Joey. I mean Hedwig. For uh, one, losing, one, losing your pet, your first pet. So, obviously, I, I really so love mad. animals. So, anytime that anything happens, in whatever series it is with mm-hmm. animals, it just affects me in a different way. And when it happened to Hedwig, I could not control myself. I was so mad. Yeah. I was sobbing. Hashtag yeah. the injustices we face. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Losing Hedwig to me, like, some, some of the other deaths I can see... Like, why Joe did it, and I, I know why Joe killed off Hedwig in regards to Harry. But, like, why? Well, let's explain that. Let's explain why? it. She him off, and I think, and I think we're all in agreement here, is that it was the death of his innocence. Right? Yes. That it child was, part of him. Yeah. But also so sad. That is that, that's so yeah. depressing. I think if I was Harry, anytime I saw an owl, I would just break down. I would be in tears. Well, no, Harry wouldn't because think of all the other losses he's felt. Like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think now I'm gonna break down. I think something that's also really glanced upon, especially in the movies, is Remus's death as oh, well yes. as Adora's. I mean, these are two people who just gave birth to their son, Teddy, and now and they don't really talk about it in the movie. They it don't. Me. They don't. They don't mention it at all. And that relationship is so important because now here's Harry, especially in the epilogue. Now he's taking kind of like that task as Teddy's Godfather. parental figure, yeah. yeah, in his life because he doesn't have it. Just like the same that Harry went through as a child. Um, and it's just glanced through and it's so important and it's like that's a whole reason a huge reason why Remus at the end appears but isn't it and I don't want to say cool because I don't think it's the right word but it's like another story yeah yeah starting the way that his did while his story is ending absolutely yeah no it, and they don't bring it up in the epilogue it's just yeah. so sad it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. it is and uh, him looming 
him looming, him losing <laughs> Remus. It's like what, like. Why again? <laughs> Why again? Why? He has lost all of the people that were closely related to his father. Yeah. Everyone who uh, can give him, like, those childhood memories of what it was like growing up with his dad. Because like, he's not getting that from his mom. Like, Snape was probably the only person, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And there goes Remus. We lost Sirius. Peter Pettigrew, piece of trash. We but lost him, still too. lost him. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's not fair. There's so, always going to be that like unknown factor in his One life. part of the hero's journey that we have not introduced yet, it's called the Master of Two Worlds. The last stage. The last stage. So it's having succeeded in the new world, the hero returns to the old world as a changed person. For me, I think this is like one of my favorites that I was just like, oh my God, how it comes around. It's so cool because <laughs> this particular stage is called the Master of the Two Worlds and Harry literally becomes the master of of the Deathly Hallows. He's the master of death. Uh, wielding all three at a, the same time. I mean, eventually he breaks the Elder One in one hour. <laughs> but... P.S. Every time that I watch the movie yes. and he breaks the wand, it makes me think of Mean Girls. When yes! the tiara she's throwing uh, it up to the crowd. And I can never take it seriously. If you haven't watched Mean Girls, check it out. Great movie. Then Damien, <laughs> the character, she's yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong, kid. That's wrong. That. That's wrong. He's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. But yeah, that was a great one, though. Thank you. But it's such a great way to wrap up that, like, whole <laughs> war. And then we obviously have the epilogue, which is just the nice way of saying that, hey, all is well. At least for a time period, because Cursed Child is apparently can't. It's apparently canon. <laughs> oh, we're going to start some problems. <laughs> I mean, it is canon. It is it canon. Is, it is canon. It is. But, anyway, but anyways, we're not getting back today. So all is well for the time being. I, I will say, though, that like for the few years that we didn't have Cursed Child, I am very happy that Joe gave Harry such a corny, beautiful, happy ending. Yes. He got his love. He has his children, and even though like Three I, of them. yeah, even though like I kind of barfed that like all of them were named after Ugh. like dead people. Like, why didn't Ginny get like to name one like Fred? Well, because Fred is um, the George, name George's, right? Yeah, George's son, George's and Angelina Johnson. They both have a child named Fred. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I get that, but like it seems like Jenny had no say. In Jenny? The, Jenny. Jen, <laughs> I did not. Jenny had no say. I had no say. Because I was looking at Jenny. Justice. Jenny. <laughs> it's yes. too close. So <laughs> Jenny basically had no say in the naming of her children. Maybe she did. Maybe she just went with it. I mean, that might be where, the Maybe reason why Luna like, is the middle name of Lily. Lily Potter. Yeah. Maybe. No, because, like, Ginny wasn't ever really that close to yeah, Luna. Yeah, she was. She, no. Yeah, she was. She was the one that, in the book, introduced... Everyone to Luna. Yeah, but intro- still introduce her as Looney Luna. Yeah, but eventually, you know, they they come close. Yeah, but the closest one has always been Harry and Luna. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't even... I honestly wouldn't even count them as close, to be honest. Harry and Luna, they have so many intimate moments. Yeah, especially in the last few books. I just wouldn't call them close. <laughs> just my personal opinion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You can have your opinion. Anyways, overall, I'm just glad we had 
a happy cliche corny ending mm-hmm. for so Harry. Just like happiness at all in his life. You know, because you know we had a there wasn't a lot of happy for Harry there. There wasn't, but uh, we're gonna get into some stuff that's fun now because we did so much crying. Now we're talking about Harry, right? Just to kind of end a little good episode. Note. Yes. Okay. But, um. Yes. So I just want to like talk about like what what we're going into right now. Okay. So the you know we didn't talk about it while we were going through the hero's journey, but you know there were a couple years there where you know. <laughs> Harry. A be- couple years? Like seven? <laughs> Harry is a sassy. Saucer. Character. You we, have to say it like that. Yes. Saucy Harry. We saucy lovingly Harry. refer to him as Sassy Harry, <laughs> but he really came into the epitome of Sassy Harry in Order of the Phoenix and Death, and not Deathly Hallows, Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, there's sprinkles of him in the earlier books, but he really comes into his own. He really hones it. He really yeah. hones it. It gives us these beautiful quotes. We're about to go into them. But <laughs> also, I do have to say, there are plenty of moments of Sassy Harry that I'm like, okay, shut the hell up. I understand. You're going through a hard situation. <laughs> we get it. We get it. Your parents died, okay? Oh, my God. There was, there was a point when I was, like, reading the books, and I'm like, okay. We get it. Move on. <laughs> ah, I never felt like that. Maybe because I'm sassy. <laughs> Do you want to start us off? Oh, yes. Okay. So this is actually a super early uh, Sassy Harry quote. I think it's like in one of like the first books. I think it's Chamber. So it is. Pity you can't attach an extra arm to yours, Malfoy. Then it could catch the snitch for you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Burn. Burn. Appointment for that burn. Oh. Moving on. The next one that we have is, do you remember me telling you we are practicing nonverbal spells, Potter? Yes, said Harry stiffly. Yes, sir. That's Snape saying it. <laughs> Harry says, there's no need to call me sir, professor. That's Harry Potter and the half blood Prince. <laughs> I can't. I, wow. Just wow. <laughs> next one. Next one. So, yeah, Coral was a great teacher said Harry loudly. There was just that minor drawback of him, you know, having Lord Voldemort sticking out of the back of the head. <laughs> That's from Order <laughs> of the Phoenix when he's talking to Umbridge. All right. Okay, I love this one. Do you want to say this one? And I take really the next do, one? I really do. Okay, so this is in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, and he's talking to Vernon. <laughs> Listening to the news again, said Vernon? Well, it changes every day, you see, said <laughs> It's like an occurring thing. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if you've heard. And then, this is personally my favorite. Oh, dang. I should have saved it. I love this one, too. All right. Harry, don't go picking a row with Malfoy. Don't forget, he's a prefect now. He can make life difficult for you. Wow. I wonder what it would be like to have a difficult life. Said Harry sarcastically. <laughs> that is literally the summary of everything we just, like, talked about. Literally. It I, is! I found another one. Oh, okay. Can we do a bonus, Jonas? Yes. yes. Okay. This is him talking to Dudley. I think it's in the order of Phoenix. This is night, Diddykins. This is what we call it when it goes all dark like this. I love Sassy Harry! Okay. If you're on, tw- if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that, comment to us, reply to us. We want to yeah. know your favorite Sassy Harry quotes. Yes, can we make a social media post? Tell yes. us. Tell us. We all, love them. All the Sassy Harry. It's great. <laughs> 
So just like to go back and talk about what are our main points with this episode, um, we obviously get an understanding. He's not the perfect protagonist. Um, however, he we do we do have him as a perfect protagonist when it comes to diving into this world and learning from him and going along with this entire journey yeah. with him. You know, Joe created for us probably the perfect character for us to go along with. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone else could have probably stepped up to the plate as, like, our main protagonist, and I appreciate the way Harry was written. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Even, even with everything he's gone through, it's just, it's one of those things that I just, like, you really resonate with and you learn a lot from, and you kind of, everyone wanted to be Harry. Everyone now looks back and is like, wow, this is what makes these books so special. I agree. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. And overall... It's so powerful, Harry taking control of his own fate. Mm -hmm. You know, he grabbed his situation by the horns and didn't let, <laughs> you know, all the people manipulating him define mm -hmm. him and who he was. Go, Harry. And he overcome, yeah, he overcame all his challenges. It takes props. It takes mad props, bro. Oh, I'm gonna cry. This is the end of the Golden Trio, guys. Oh, it's over. I've loved this like first series of episodes with you guys. Yeah, and getting like getting to know again like some of our favorite characters in these books, and wow, oh, just it's so. It's I hope nice you, I hope all of you listening have been enjoying this process yes. of like re getting to know these characters, these characters, and like like. Thanks just, for letting me talk about Ross. <laughs> falling in love with all of this again, and just yeah. Finding new ways to relate to these characters now as 25-year-olds before not, like, reading these books at a younger age and now looking back yeah. at everything that happened within their lives and just getting a new perspective. It's really fun. Yeah, so I hope you all continue to join us on this journey of us, you know, coming to terms with our love of Harry Potter and just mm -hmm. really embracing it. So I hope you all keep listening. And this yeah. is my sappy moment. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media. You can catch us on Instagram at the three broom chicks. You know what? You can also follow us on Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And go like us on Facebook, the three broom chicks. Yes. Remember to catch our next episode. Hey. We are actually going to do a fun episode for you guys. A little change of like our little character series going yeah. on right now. We're going to do a Potter for Dummies so episode. Yeah, so if you've never like read a book, or maybe if you've never even seen a movie, this is the episode for you. Check and all your friends who are like, what is this Harry Potter stuff that you're so into? And if they have all these questions, we are going to answer them. And yes. And we're going to have a special guest. Special Ooh, guest. So tune in, everyone. Yes. yes. As always, we are the Three, three Broom Chicks. And I love magic. <laughs>